the blast from our past network. Hey there, Film Files. Jimmy here from Movie Show Theater, inviting you, only you, and everyone you know to give our show a shot at making it into your podcast rotation. We take a different movie every month. We chop it up into little bits, see what works, see what don't. We have a lot of trivia. We have a lot of guests from the Chicago area. We have directors and actors, composers, cinematographers. We just started our fifth season, but you can check out all of our episodes on iTunes and at soundcloud.com slash movie show theater. And until next time, Stay movies, everyone. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Life Force, stars Steve Railsback, Matilda May, and Peter Firth. Welcome to another whopping episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. <laughs> and this week, oh boy, we are talking about <laughs> Life Force. Come on, Life Force. <laughs> this is uh, 1985? Yes. Yes. Uh, Toby Hooper directed this one. We all know this movie probably because of Matilda May and her two assets, I guess, <laughs> uh, throughout this film. But well, uh, 90% of this movie, she's naked. I know. It's pretty insane. It's pretty wild. So, um, yeah, at, at, at the top of this, let's just get it right out of the gate. Matilda May is naked during this entire movie, pretty much. And Yeah, if, if you're not a fan of nudity, then this movie's not for this, you. This is not for you, and definitely don't have the kids around for this one if no. you're going to watch it. <laughs> no. Unless you want them to go through puberty early or something. Some it's might just... say she's a early feminist, though. Wow. Okay. Okay. We'll get into that. <laughs> some some also might say that she was naive and, and tricked at the age of 19 into walking around oh, naked. And see, this is why I don't like growing up, because you have everything ruined for you as an adult when you yeah. find the truth out about things. Oh, that was such a sweet movie. The backstory was much darker. Oh, come on. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Now, that's only a little bit, I guess, congenital because everything that I have heard, even because uh, I watched her uh, documentary and I watched Steve Rails back, and they both seemed like the set was very cordial to her, but you can't escape the fact that a poor 19-year-old girl was walking around naked in front of you know a bunch of strangers for the entire film. But, uh, and we'll, she had to make out with a guy uh, twice her age. Yes, exactly, exactly. So we will get into all of that, but before we do, uh, Zach, what is your experience with Life Force? <laughs> wow. Well, in 85, I was nine years old. Yeah. And shout out to my brother Eric again for uh, introducing this movie to me. He you re- saw this when you were nine? Yeah. I Holy saw it. smokes. Because I, I feel like when a movie came out in the theater, it came out on VHS pretty soon after. So maybe I was nine or ten. Maybe it was a okay. year later. Because it didn't do well when it came out, in, in the U.S. at least. No, I the saw theater. this at the via the video store. Yeah. Um, and I loved horror films. My brother rented it. Uh, copious nudity was ex- thrown in my face <laughs> yeah. and as a kid i i mean my recollections are i was like shock and awe okay that, that <laughs> makes I, sense but i loved it when i watched it for the be, uh, nudity aside i was like i thought the story at the time was great i thought it was 
awesome. And now, as an adult, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm with you there, man. Um, I was probably a little bit older when I saw it. I don't know exactly when. Uh, I would say probably before 1990. I would imagine I caught it somewhere on VHS or something. And well, yeah, not that long ago then. 1990. I mean, well, yeah, I guess because well, it came out in '85, so like I was, I was probably at least like like 11 or, or 12 when I saw it. Basically, got it. Okay, um, and it was life altering at the time. <laughs> Um, my appreciation of the female form uh, went through the roof at that point. Uh, before that, I probably was just like, I don't know what's going on. And then Matilda May just rocked my world. But I'm with you. Surrounding her, her, her nudity was this weird movie that has that almost feels like a bunch of different genres. Oh yeah. And as a kid, I, I had a hard time like tracking the story and everything, and like trying to figure out what was going on. But at the same time, I was like watching it intrigued because I was like, "When's the next nudity coming?" And sure enough, it's right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a super sexualized film, but it makes sense in the vampire folklore right you know and this is based on a book called space vampires which is a terrible name for a book it's terrible terrible but (laughs) when you step step back and even though this movie feels more like a zombie film you step back and you realize oh it's it's, i mean they really actually take a lot of old school vampire tropes and mythologies and they just they spin it they just take a weird left turn spin with it but the idea still starts in these old vampire tropes which i find interesting well i think too the the zombie connection uh is accurate to vampire folklore because according to fright night uh if you think about it where they they keep their victims kind of as their minions and if they don't sustain a little a level of energy or blood throughout their lifespan then they'll turn into like a a zombified corpse. Yeah, and in this movie, it has like a two-hour time span is what everything sort of revolves around. Yeah. Uh, if you get, you know, basically life-forced in two hours, you'll turn, and if you don't feed, then you explode. It's it's all, they really push the two-hour thing forward. Um, but, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that too. It made us, it gave the movie a sense of urgency. Um, but we'll get into that. Let's just run down the, uh, well, actually, before that, real quick, when was the last time before now that you watched Life? force so i've watched life force many times i would say once every five to seven years yeah somebody it'll be brought up in conversation about people say they love horror films and i go well have you seen life force no let's check it out and the rest is history yeah and we're a friend afterwards or i'd never hear from them again (laughs) yeah it takes a certain kind of person to really enjoy life force um i'm with you i probably watch it you know once every five years or so um i enjoy the movie enough that i have the scream factory version because i was like well you know i need to see matilda may in as much hd as possible and that was a a perfect Purchase that I do not regret in, in the slightest. I love the uh, Shout Factory, and just to give you guys a heads up, if you've not watched it yet, uh, we are we are going to be discussing the director's cut, uh, which took me a few minutes to figure out on the Shout Factory Blu-ray. But the main movie is the director's cut, and then they hide the theatrical cut under supplemental material hmm. um, on there. So the the director's cut is about an hour and fifty six minutes. Yep. Um, did you notice what was different about it? Because I feel like I've always been watching the director's cut. Well, yeah, I think uh, I, I've always watched the original theatrical cut, and I remember 
when I went on Amazon to find this because I don't own it and it's free on Amazon. The director's cuts on Amazon. Okay, and you always on Prime, Amazon Prime on Amazon Prime. Yeah, nice. and I noticed right away, just uh, longer. What is that called? Exposition. Yeah, like shots, more scenes inside the vampire lair. Okay, in space. Oh, um, other moments that seem to be drawn out. I, yeah, there there was like some, a few fantasy moments where I thought I don't remember seeing that. See, that's weird. I I feel like I've seen all of that, and I never felt like I went out of my way to watch the director's cut. I feel like they just maybe extended a few scenes. Yeah, which it seems it feels seamless. I uh, yeah, honestly, I think the director's cut is the way to go. Um, I, I'm not going to take the time to watch the hour and a half version uh, or what or 100 minutes. I think so. The director's like a, cut, yeah, 140 does add like 15 minutes of which is a of lot new of, footage. That's a lot of yeah. stuff. So yeah. I would just watch that because I. I don't think the movie could get any quote unquote better with a trimming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think that it's it's all pretty much there. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the the bulk of the director's cut was in the first ninety minutes of the movie because the last fifteen minutes are so rushed. Yeah, and it's just like oh, let's get this over. Yeah, with. it you does. It, yeah, it does get through the last fifteen <laughs> minutes pretty quickly. So we'll we'll definitely dive into that. But um, all right, before we do, let's just throw out some some facts. Like I said, this movie Life Force came out in nineteen eighty five. It had a $23 million budget, which is pretty damn good. <laughs> That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for 1985. Uh, oh, my or, God. So, you know, filmed in 1984, probably. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a huge. huge budget. That's a huge budget. Um, it's wow. The director is Toby Hooper, a big name for horror people with uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and quote unquote maybe poltergeist that's all up in the air whether he directed that or steven spielberg but it's on his imdb but he did direct texas chainsaw massacre part two yes which is a classic which i have the scream factory version and i've never watched it and i've only ever seen that movie once way way back in the day oh we may need to well that's on our list if it's not it will be yeah i i, th- I want it to be on our list just so i can watch the damn blu-ray yeah um and then side note aside from um, Matilda May being my probably my favorite pair of, of breasts in a movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, the main girl that lived, she had some spectacular, and you never even see them. They, she was just brawless the entire time, but that's amazing. I think Toby Hooper has a thing for boobs, to I think be honest you, with you. I, I think you're going to have your own Patreon pay, uh, podcast where you just talk about boobs. <laughs> yeah, and, and it'll be like favorite ones for subscribers. <laughs> and you're going to have the most subscribers that, you know, it's going to be called Corey's Thanks for the Mammaries or something. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But, I mean, there is no way we can make it through Life Force without talking about no, boobs in not. some way, shape, or form. I will say the on, to- on the Toby Hooper side note, part two, uh, I there's a there's a restaurant in Sherman Oaks called Jinkies, and it's a popular place for a lot of people in Hollywood to go have breakfast. It's based uh, I think the it's based around the Hanna Barbera cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby Hooper was sitting eating breakfast one time by himself, and I saw him with with the group I was with, and I said, "Oh, I got to go say something," and they're like, "Go for it," and I really politely asked. Just wanted to tell him how what a big fan I was, and he and I had the like a five minute conversation 
Super personable. Oh wow! The nicest guy. He died a couple of years later. Oh, I didn't know Toby Hooper was has passed away. Yeah, he died. Uh, I want to say five years ago. The the documentary they interview him on the DVD on the Blu-ray uh, for Life Force, and he seems like a nice dude. He He's seemed so, like a cool, yeah. down to earth kind of guy. But, yeah. Even even Matilda May and uh, her her documentary on there. Um, each of them were only about fifteen minutes. So it's it's she had one. Uh, Railsback had one, and then Toby Hooper had one, and. And she had nothing but nice things to say about Toby Hooper. And and I again, what, what I sort of said earlier, but like every, it seems like she has no ill feeling towards the That's nudity good. in the movie. It, I mean, I'm not speaking for her, but based on the documentary, it yeah. seems like she doesn't have any ill ill feelings towards it. Although I think she's aware that it's, it's excessive. Um, and she's also aware, it seems like she's aware that maybe when she was younger, it would have been nice to have somebody maybe – you know, protect her a little bit from that, but I, th- I don't think she takes anything negative away from it. Yeah. Um. And but while we're talking about Matilda May, she was 19 when they filmed the movie. It was her first, uh, movie at all, and the f- and basically how she learned English was on the set of that movie. So she didn't know any English going into it. What's her? Uh, She's French. Okay. Um. And then her. Well, she that makes sense. Yeah. And and that she originally started out as a ballerina, uh, which I think lends itself to this movie so she was like always hyper aware of her body and like how to move it and i think that's why this movie has this weird even though she's naked it's almost non-sexual when she walks around because she's so like all her movements are so like stiff and precise that they and even she mentions it or he mentions it like that was on purpose you want even though she's naked i think they wanted to take away some of the sexual sex appeal because you know her character is still an alien so they wanted to make it a bit unnerving but well, she's she's definitely like she's definitely sexy. Yeah. But the way she's portrayed and the kind of romanticism in the movie, it's not sexy. It's not sexy. It's at not all. sexy, Jack. And and <laughs> when you listen to the dialogue and what they say, every character that comes in contact with her in the movie, they say that you know it's it's overwhelmingly sexual, but at the same time horrible. So like yeah. you're supposed to be attracted to her, but at the same time not. Is and, that what is that what um, discovering your your sexuality is when you're a child or when you're a teenager. It's amazing, but horrible at the same time. (laughs) Probably. It probably was. And I think that's what your parents try to convince you. Yeah. It's amazing, but it's horrible. So never do it. Yeah. Thanks mom. I think you're right there. Um, I decided, no, my mom never said that to me. Uh, and then, but more people behind the scenes uh, that are amazing. Dan O'Bannon, uh, he of course yes. wrote, he wrote the screenplay for Alien. Yeah, uh, he wrote the screenplay or he directed um, Return of the Living Dead. Yes, and there was a real quick mention in um, in the the Toby Hooper documentary on here that I think Toby Hooper was actually lined up to direct Return of the Living Dead but he dropped out for this really that was something he just it was like a little bit of a throwaway line and I was like oh oh I didn't know that so I think he was originally supposed to direct Return of the Living Dead I mean and he's a legend in the in the genre in the splatter horror genre and Return of the Living Dead is a series a series that we're gonna get to because I love part one part two and part three I love all those movies I cannot wait for Scream Factory to put out part three director's cut at some point. I feel like they are somebody. Is. It's it's got someone has to someone ha- and that's a, that's a director's cut that has a lot more violence in it than the original theatrical cut. There is one coming out. Uh, Vestron Vestron or Trimarker. Someone I think it's Vestron. They they re. It's it's a reboot Blu-ray company. The rebranding special, basically. Yeah. yeah. A, I think Lionsgate might own it. Okay. But it is coming out. 
That's or it might already be out. That's weird because, you know, uh, Scream Factory or Shout Factory, like the, it, the parent company is Shout Factory, but the horror label is Scream Factory, right? Uh, so Shout Factory put out Return of the Living Dead's part one and two. I suspected they were going to put out three, but that Maybe sucks they if just they don't. don't. Have the rights. Yeah. Another another big name uh, behind the scenes was John Dykstra. He did this like a lot of the special effects and the space stuff in Star Wars. So he did this movie as well. That's so insane. So classy. I know. And then finally, Henry Mancini did the music with the London uh, Philharmonica Phil, Symphony Philharmonic Orchestra. Yeah, yep. there you go. Yeah, and he's the guy who did the music. Well, most notably, the Pink Panther. Badoon. Yeah, that yeah, one. Right? And, yeah. and I mean, that's probably next to Jaws, the most iconic piece of music uh, ever from film. Yeah. I would say. It's up there. It's for I would sure say up top there. five of yeah. all time. Mm-hmm. But that, that crazy, like, I remember watching this movie, Canon, the the, the the Canon logo splashes on there, and you're like, oh, hell yeah. yeah I this love is gonna Canon. Be, I, I love Canon so much. But they are such a. There's a documentary called Electric Boogaloo on Netflix. It's all about the history of Canon films, and it's definitely worth checking out. They are they're just a couple the two guys I forget the names of the guys who run Canon, but they're just like fun exploitation. Like let's make a movie, yeah, it's so much fun, yeah, you know. And so their their presence is clear across this. I'm sure I would love. I'm sure you'll have some insight into that when because you watched the documentary. But there's moments where I'm sure they had no problem with nudity, no problem with the excessive gore, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, I watched that Canon documentary a couple years back. Um, I don't remember too much about it, but it, man, it was entertaining as hell. Yeah. I want to go back and rewatch it. It's definitely it's up there with like chock full of goodness, like that Richard Stanley, uh, oh. Doctor Moreau documentary. <laughs> like both of those documentaries for audiences of of this podcast yeah. absolutely have to go check out those documentaries but for this one specifically definitely check out the canon one because the the blu-ray uh for life force doesn't really get into all of that stuff mm. but the canon documentary did get into life force like life force was supposed to be their magnum opus this was supposed to be their star wars this was supposed to like put them on the map like really make them blow up like mainstream so was masters of the universe we know how that ended we know how this ended and we know how that ended (laughs) yep that's too bad uh let's real quick run down through the main players in the movie we got steve rails back he plays colonel carlson he's best known for the stuntman from 1980 uh we have peter firth uh, he plays Colonel Kane. He's best known for Equus. And then after this, he plays, he's in The Hunt for the Red October. And he's related to Peter Firth. Colin Firth? Or Colin Firth. Yeah. Sorry. The, the, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. And and, and I will say, the first time I see, see him appear on screen, I'm like, oh, that's Colin Baker, the sixth doctor from Doctor Who. But it's not. <laughs> it's he, not. They just both have like that kind of yellow, froey, curly, curly, curly sort of weird, like <laughs> yeah. early 80s hair. Yeah. Yeah. None of the guys in this movie looked good at all, except no. for except for the male vampires, which... And, and someone else you're going to mention in, at the end. <laughs> yeah. He looked fantastic. Yes. Yes, but he I have did. A, and he never changes. No. Um, <laughs> we have uh, Frank Finley as Dr. Falada. Uh, he's like a big time stage guy. Uh, he's like doing Othello and like the pianist and whatnot. He reminds me of um, the an actor from this movie called The Fearless Vampire Killers, which is a Roman Polanski's vampire movie, which is so great. It's, it's in my top five vampire movies of all time. If you haven't seen it, 
It's so much fun. I've heard of it. I need to see it. Sharon Tate is in it. Yeah, I've I've, I've heard of it. It's I think all... it was the movie that kind of brought them together. Okay, that's sure. where they met on or whatever. I think so. I'm not positive. Cool. Yeah, it's got nudity in it too, right? Uh, it's subtle. Yeah, it's like they're in the bath or something. I feel like yeah. I've seen screenshots a, or something of it. It's one of those movies where you turn you can turn the sound off and watch it with the sound off, and it's still equally as good because the visuals are awesome. Okay, all right. I, I'll have to. I definitely want. It's it's always been on my list. I just sort of never come across. It. Like I've never seen it stream anywhere. I've never like saw like a VHS of it. It's a great winter Halloween movie. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll noted. Noted. <laughs> um. Uh, Michael Gothard, he plays Dr. Bukowski. Uh, he was in For Your Eyes Only in 1981, one of the John, uh, James Bond films. Sir Percy, uh, in the movie, that's the character's name. The actor, I'm going to look him up real quick because I didn't track him, but you said he was kind of like a big name. He was from... Um... Yeah, his name's Aubrey Morris. Okay, And okay. he, if you look up his um, resume... He was in Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange, The Wicker Man. Too great. Yeah. <laughs> the Wicker Man's awesome. Yeah, his character, he plays home secretary in this, uh, yeah. Sir Percy. And, like, I kind of didn't track him until he died because he kind of just pops up here and there. Yeah. Um, but I'm, glad, I'm glad facials, you mentioned though. that. Yeah, he does. And I think in Clockwork Orange, I, I, I could be wrong about this, but in Clockwork Orange, I think he's the the, the husband who watches his wife get you Yes, know, yeah, I think so. Violated. Um, and then finally, we have a fun little side character in Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, Picard, Picard. It's it's. I'm not going to call him Professor X. No, no, it's no. Picard. He's always Picard to me. He'll yeah. always be Picard. But I mean, man, the performance that he turns in on this movie is through the roof. It's short and but oh so sweet. Amazing. It, I would honestly say that this movie is worth watching for a Matilda May <laughs> and b Patrick Stewart. But truthfully, I have, I have a question about i want to know i wish i wish i could meet patrick stewart and ask him has he ever had hair on the top of his <laughs> I don't head think so. ever I've never he has I think... the most beautiful bald head yeah i think i've ever seen on a guy and dude he looks exact same age then as he does that like because his hair is still white back yeah. in 85 as it is now it's yeah. just, it's he's just insane. got rosier cheeks yeah yeah a he's, little, he's... little less wrinkles but he pretty much looks exactly the same and i, I you know I, I i i and i'm super comfortable with my sexuality saying this i just want to like, give a kiss on his forehead <laughs> i know I right right like... on the dome it's like yes <laughs> i want that power man and if i ever go bald i want to look as good as he does yeah i will say uh see when star trek next generation came out balding bald heads were never a thing that was was always considered like a bad thing yeah that what i growing up around people oh you're going bald oh no he was the first guy that made bald heads cool people talk about stone cold steve austin the wrestler oh that's who made bald heads cool no no patrick stewart as jean-luc picard yep made bald heads cool and i heard that they tried to make him wear a toupee for um next generation i don't know who said no to that but that was the originally wow. they wanted him to wear a Can toupee i know he's he's awesome he's yeah. fucking awesome yeah. in everything he does in this movie especially he's yeah. fucking awesome yeah so let's get into <laughs> motherfucking life force do it <laughs> What a great opening score that this movie has. Wait, better than what I just did? Come on, that was that was money. That was very money. Such an amazing opening. Yeah, it's great. The 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 effects, especially I gotta hand it to the Shout Factory guys. The Blu-ray looks amazing, especially 
during the space stuff, like, and, and the cool thing is they actually include, like, a TV making of spot uh, on the Blu-ray, so you get to see what, the, like, what it sort of looked like on TV and everything, and it looks terrible compared to what they did oh, with cool. the remaster. It's it's gorgeous. The remaster is absolutely gorgeous. I assume that the one you're seeing is probably that same it was. remaster. I'm pretty sure, because the, the Amazon HD Prime version yeah. is great it's awesome all right so the opening credits they basically start by you're flying over a comet and they you know they kind of you know the canon film group comes up which i love and uh, the logo is so awesome i was like oh my god this is great and then they do like this opening voiceover kind of explaining everything to you that's going on so basically uh the rundown is is that this uh spaceship called the churchill which is a um it's a space shuttle but just kind of souped up and everything with you know some extra bells and whistles on it um it has this special uh propulsion system that they go into great detail and sort of explaining to us and everything but at the end of the day it really doesn't matter you know the spaceship it's just able to get to Halley's Comet. That's what they're doing. So it's a, the crew of the Churchill. Um, it's a, it's made up of like international people, but the main guy who's who's doing it is uh, Steve Railsback, which is Colonel Carlson. He's running the operation. He's uh, American, and uh, they are basically going to Halley's Comet to just check it out. They don't know anything like that. There's a, you know spoiler a spaceship there, but yeah. they're just going there to check it out. And then they find out that there is a large object in the corona, in the front part, not in the tail of Halley's Comet. So they're like, okay, obviously we're going to go check that out. <laughs> check it out. I will say really quick, though, that narration was the first um, uh, the first time I noticed, oh, this is the director's cut because it was, it was kind of useless, like you were saying. Yeah. It's it, kind of useless. It set the tone, and it's, it was nice to have that information there. Yeah. But it really doesn't do anything. No. Other, you, I mean, you could have had any of that exposition right there or just let the audience sort of infer it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whatever. It, it, it was, didn't take away from anything. No, but it's just one of, one of those moments where, yeah, this should have been left on the cutting room floor. Well, and there's no other voiceover anywhere else in the movie. No, it's so it's just right there. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's pretty pointless. Um, so, you know, they set up the crew a little bit, but not to the point where you even get to know anybody, really. They're just like, okay, you know, Colonel Carlson's the main character. You can already sort of tell that he's the main guy that you should, you should be tracking. Um, and there's another astronaut who's kind of like his partner. Yeah, but nothing really happens, you know, from that. Um, nothing really happens with any of them. Uh, you don't even need to like, you know, know their names or their, their, you know, they try to give a little bit of character to that little, that secondary dude. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, the spaceship itself, the um, the alien ship, it looks like a giant, like, flower almost, like a rod type of thing. And I know that they were trying to go for a, almost like a castle. Basically, they wanted to go for Dracula's castle Is that space. what they were going for? That's, like, that was the impetus behind it. I don't think that that really <laughs> came across. Because I have to say, I think the first thing that comes out of Railsback's mouth is, What's 150 feet or 150 miles long, right? Yeah, it's like very it. phallic. And he comes, <laughs> and the picture looks like a giant cock. Yeah, it does. I'm it, sorry. Yeah, no, it, it it's very phallic. It's a giant, basically, rod flying through space <laughs> with some kind of. It, it's a ball at the end, but it turns into like a flower type of scenario. It does. It it's ridiculous. It, does, it's, it's, it is ridiculous, <laughs> but I got to give him props for at least like trying. You no, know, it's just something. such a funny line when Railsback's here. He's so happy about it. What's 150 miles long? 
Uh, so four of them take like their spacesuits and they, you know, they go to investigate. And the first thing you notice when they go into it, man, it looks like a birth canal. Well, be, and I have to say when they're when they're going to investigate, they're flying really fast. Oh, boy. Because they're going like 60 miles an hour in their spacesuits. And that's the first thing that one of the first things I wrote down is how are they able to travel so fast in space <laughs> with no jets? behind? They're like, hmm. Yeah, they, well, they have like it looks like they have those like backpack things that you see in movies, but <laughs> yeah. you never see the mist shoot out like in, no. in other movies where there's propulsion. It's it's like you see it in Star Trek the movie where they have these like backpacks that kind of move them along. Yeah, but at least yeah. in that it's like it does the psh, psh, like the little yeah. bursts of there's air. No, psh, no there's no air. They're 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 completely just flying. This is like space. I want to set like a Benny Hill track to it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the inside of the spaceship, like I said, it looks like a birth canal when they were going into it. That so was cool. my takeaway. Uh, but it did look pretty neat. It was kind of oh, organic, yeah. a yeah. little guy, H.R. Giger-esque. That's what I wrote down, yeah. And, it, and, and there's like the green, the, the green mist, like you were saying. It, it's so cool looking, like the neon green yeah. against the backdrop of the black space. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It, it, it's, a, it's a beautifully shot film. That is for certain. Uh, whether what they're shooting is actually good is another is another looks thing good. entirely. But it looks fantastic. And, and the yeah. cinematographer did a great fucking job on it. He did. It. And, and when you talk about the Geiger in, the Geiger influence, it's so apparent. Yeah. It's so cool because it's so creepy. It, yeah. It does have like a, a weird organic look to it. Um, and then as they're flying through the spaceship, they come across these like basically like these giant bats that are just all dead. And they're, it's a cool shot because they're all just like sort of floating there. Yeah. And I like how you know they took into account like everything is sort of still like you know there's nothing moves unless you touch it so there's like this cool shot of them like flying into a chamber and there's just all these dead bats just hanging around and yeah. i know that that was a giant set that they were on and that's why it looks so good the spaceship stuff in this movie looks fantastic and spoiler alert for me my interest level in this movie goes from very high and it just kind of to the end it just keeps going down and down and down you know like meaning it starts for me it starts out the strongest and then it just never lives back up to the beginning it just keeps going down worse and worse and worse yeah i would agree i totally agree with you because the the setup is fantastic yeah just what they do from that point on felt where you i would question where what they did with that 23 million dollars well, I mean, I can see where the $23 million went. My takeaway is that this movie needed $50 million to do yeah. what they were trying to do. I, I feel like they accomplished what they were trying to accomplish. They just needed a little bit more money to make it look better. And the, the special effects later are the worst. Like, these are the best special effects. These are where, like, I think, I think it, the movie should have lived as much as possible in this space yeah like I agree. on the spaceship you know and you find out later what happens I'm, i was i was almost like that's the movie i'd rather have seen yeah i i was i was perplexed as we'll we'll get into that later but i feel like they spent way too much time on earth when they should have they could have equally split this movie in half they didn't they didn't nearly do as much as they should have done inside the space shuttle yeah honestly that i, I thought the space shuttle stuff was the most interesting you know not as much nudity, <laughs> but it was still more interesting. Did we get to find? No, no. no. So, so they're still flying through there. They come across the 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 this 
space monsters. They decide to, you know, take one home back to the ship with them, so they wrap it up, like, in a net. Uh, and at that time, basically, the ship comes alive. Yeah. And you know, so people cool. on the spaceship are like, oh, my God, like, it, the, um, the flower thing is, like, opening now in the front, the, the testicles, whatever they are. They're becoming the flower. <laughs> the twig and the berries, the berries of the twig. Exactly. Now, yes. It's definitely a twig and berry scenario. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and But there's no immediate danger, so the astronauts kind of move further into the ship, and they come across this chamber of a bunch of crystal, like, air, like, sarcophagi like just crystals holding coffins basically and there's in the middle of like all these monstrous creatures you know there are these three humans looking uh just perfectly human the one one girl and two guys and so far we can tell the guys are just as attractive as the women right yeah they're they're like international male yeah hunks they're they are a couple of hunks (laughs) there's dr steve brule would say a couple of hunks and Right away, we sense something's wrong, not because there's humans there, but because the the two guys, the main guy, Carlson, uh, Steve, of Steve Railsback, he starts getting, like, entranced by the woman, and yep. he's feeling, like, drained. And then his, like, other partner guy that we're not even tracking his name because he doesn't make it off the, the spaceship, it doesn't matter, um, <laughs> he's also feeling a little drained, too. So we're, like, taking a sense that, like, okay, it's weird that there's humans there, but at the same time, it's... They also something else is happening too. Is that the point when uh, he says, "I've been in space for six months and she looks perfect to me"? Yeah, yeah. And then the female astronaut kind of does a little smirk, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a great line because you're like, "Dude, anything would look perfect to you yeah. in six months." Yeah, pretty much anything. <laughs> but yeah, she does. Yeah, she um she she does. <laughs> but it's funny May the way that the strategic uh, is. I'm trying to remember now. Did did they, was there a bar across her chest at that point? No, that was when they strap her in. That's right. That was the one time they tried to like ob- obscure her breasts. They're so, like, this is for the TV version. Yeah, probably. You know what? They're probably like, yeah, that is for the TV version when they strap her into the space shuttle because yeah. they film it so they can, you know, just the strap is like perfectly covering her breast. Yeah. It's really funny. Actually. Yeah, I know. It's like the only time they try to like hide it. <laughs> yeah. That's that's when the uh, that's when the uh, child protective services showed up and they're just like okay let's check it out oh there this is cool these guys yeah. know what they're doing they're not exploiting her no no not at all nineteen she's an adult <laughs> I mean come on when you're nineteen you're ready to rock and roll that's right well you can go to war that's for sure you can go die for your country you can also go walk around naked in the movie. <laughs> Uh, so they uh, they decide to bring the the humanoids back, and uh, all we really see is them come back to the space shuttle, and then the space shuttle flies away from Halley's comet, yeah. and then we get a title card that says thirty days later. Yeah. Again, I want that as my ringtone. That's a great song. Oh it's, it's great music in this. Film. I want that in my workout mix. This this movie is proof positive that you can't polish a turd, right? <laughs> But again, this is one of those movies, there's so many movies that we talk about on this podcast, I think, that are lumped into that same category of when you when you wax nostalgic on it, you're like, oh, that sounds really cool. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, it's not that cool. Yeah. Sadly, sometimes it goes down that way. Yeah. I have a feeling that, you know, we're going to... We're going to come across a lot of movies that just don't hold up, yeah. you know. Hardware. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Totally had to do that to you. That's okay, buddy. <laughs> That's JK, okay. JK, LOL. <laughs> um, so we're back on Earth at the uh, Mission Command Great Britain. Uh, so that's basically just, yeah, Mission Command Great Britain area, the London 
part of the space because this whole movie takes place in London. Yeah. Uh, even though it's it's a mostly primarily uh, American crew, they still chose to shoot pretty much over in, in England. Yeah. Um, I guess money sakes, right? Sure. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I, I mean, yeah, but I, I do love the fact that it's set in London with a mostly British cast because there's uh, it gives a I'm sure that was intentional an air of sophistication to it. Yeah. It reminds me of the old Hammer horror films yeah. of the 60s and It's like 60s because it's 70s. British, it's more sophisticated. Yeah, because you know, you you put an accent on somebody and suddenly they're cool. Yeah. No, no, that's that's true. I I I do think that they are smarter than me when they have an accent. Because yeah, as, as soon as you sound American, you kind of sound like a dumbass. In in the uh, in the documentary with Matilda May, she talks about Toby Hooper having. She's like he had a real Texas accent. So, yeah, she had to be a Texas accent. I love how that it was becomes funny. I know it's always like whenever not like non Americans do like the American <laughs> accent, like hey buckaroo, you know. I'm from from Encino, dude. But I got to admit, it was cute as hell when she said it. And Matilda May still looks fantastic today. Absolutely fantastic. Anyways, we'll get back to Matilda May later. (laughs) You're on a a Matilda Mammary experience. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) After watching this movie. Uh, So we find out that basically the Churchill made it back to Earth, but it's in uh, like a dead orbit around Earth, um, and there's no communication with it whatsoever. So they send the Columbia after it, which I thought was kind of neat because, uh, I mean, right in 1985, the Columbia was, it it existed, the, the space shuttle Columbia. And and uh, I thought it was kind of neat that they like just straight up like kind of make it feel like it's happening currently. Yeah, I confused it with the Challenger. Yeah, the Challenger, Challenger was the one that blew up a year later. Well, okay, so when did the Challenger blow up? In '86. Okay, so and I so didn't they have they have two or three at the same time, right? Shuttles like sort of rotating. Yeah, I think so. They're the Columbia, the Challenger, and maybe one more, whatever. But then the Columbia didn't the Columbia like blow up like in 2000 or something when it was reentering uh, Earth's orbit? Like, I don't I don't know because I feel like. I thought that was yeah, the that's Columbia. right because the Endeavor, the shuttle oh, Endeavor, right. is the one that had the last. That was the last shuttle mission. But the the yeah. Endeavor never died or got blown no. up. Or, okay, I think the Columbia blew up when it was coming back in or something like that. I gotta go back and see that, but I do remember when the the Challenger. Uh, yeah, where were you in '86? I was in school. So I was I. watching it like everyone else, yep. and just like everyone, every other kid in the world that was watching it, our minds were blown. Yeah, teacher walked over and turned up the TV at that point, and, and it's like, and, let's talk about what happened. Oh, she was like, just resumed class. She was an idiot. I'm oh, sorry. Wow. Okay. I had an I- idiotic teacher in fourth grade. She just started like acting like nothing had happened. Okay, well, we're going to open up, open up your books. And I thought, wow, that's a really awesome way to handle a tragedy that we're all going through right now. Yeah, seriously. that That's kind of odd. Yeah, Even I know better than that. That's the reason I became a teacher, because I had shitty teachers. Well, that, there you go. Yeah. And and now you're a See, podcaster because you had shitty podcasts to listen to, and you wanted to <laughs> make right. a good one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we get a little cool little, another little fun, sp- like this is all my favorite sp- like stuff in the movie. Yeah. Uh, we get the crew of the Columbia going in to check on what the Churchill and they open the door, the airlock and immediately like the whole place is burned. I and wrote, I wrote, I did write down at this point, I told, I told him like, can we have the, everyone stop moving so much? Everything was moving. Yeah. Cause the, yeah, they Constant. make the care, camera move and yeah, everything. Everything's moving. I, see, I thought they did a good job. Of that. I mean, honestly, that's the most interesting camera work that we have in the entire movie. <laughs> that's true. So I, I liked it for, I enjoy every single like, ounce of the space stuff in this movie that i can get and it's it's almost over sadly um but uh so the team from the columbia finds 
bunch of charred bodies, basically. They find a bunch of charred bodies, and they find three the three human humanoids yes. in their their coffins, their sarcophagi, whatever they are. They look at crystal, but then they explain later that they're actually sort of force fields. They're not really there yes. because they can't use x-rays or anything to sort of see them um, or anything like that. But I got to do a real, real quick shout-out that um, – so I'm watching it, right? And I'm like – one of the the crew members from the Columbia looks familiar. And I'm like, man, that guy looks familiar to me. And I was like, let me go check. He, in Empire Strikes Back, when Princess Leia on Hoth is giving, like, the commands, like, talking about how it's, like, going to be two fighter escorts escorts for every, you know, whatever. And he's like, two fighters against a Star Destroyer? That guy who, like, says something? His name, in in, in the movie, his name's Hobby. Like, Star Wars character. Like, we all know him now as Hobby. He was the leader of the Columbia expedition onto the Churchill. And the reason I can tell is because... In Empire Strikes Back, Hobby's ba- all like all the the pilots are wearing like those you know headpieces that astronauts wear. Yeah, you, you know what I mean, right? They're like these little head hoodie things. Yeah. And then so he's wearing that obviously in Empire Strikes Back, and then he's wearing that in this. So he looks exactly the same, just with like a different suit on. And he's I'm like, like <clears throat> "Would you gentlemen like me to uh, bring yeah. the head hoodie from Empire Strikes Here, Back? Well, should I wear my X-wing fighter from Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> bring then? a little bit of uh, legitimacy." <laughs> I think he's English or American, but that's okay. <laughs> it's we Sorry. should all assume that any Sorry, actor Hobby. in in uh, in uh, Star Wars or this uh, or probably British. <laughs> this is our second uh, episode where we've brought up a, a cast member from Star Wars being in it. Well, the, you got to think about it. Um, Hardware in this one, yeah. You got to figure like. I mean, all these movies that we're, we're going to be watching, these actors were working around the same time that Star Wars was getting made. So, and, you know, there's going to pop up here and there. It's like uh, turning on Netflix now, and the same actors are in every <laughs> yeah. single thing. Because yeah. they just rotate through, like, the same, yeah. like, people who they have on their, their call list. Yeah, meanwhile, myself and other actors that are sitting at home, like, why can't I be on there? Yes. Buddy. Because you are not, uh, I guess, because you're not uh, Adam Adam Sandler, right? Like, or or, uh, or didn't Eddie Murphy just get this huge deal or something? Oh yeah, that's insane, man. I uh, give props give to, give my props. actor buddies a shot. Yeah. Netflix, you got more than enough content to go around. Seriously, come on, give Zach a shot. <laughs> give Zach a shot. Come on, Netflix. <laughs> um, all right, so now back on Earth, we are now at the Europe European Space Research Center, London, and that's kind of where it's going to be the main lab. So anytime I refer to quote unquote the lab, I'm going to re- be referring to the European Space Research Center in London. Um, and we meet a bunch of old people that we're going to find out are important, you know, in a in a conference room. Uh, Dr. Bukowski and Dr. Falada uh, are in there, but we don't really know who they are. What kind of name is Falada? Well, I'm going like, I'm like Bukaki and Felatio. I know. It's... <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, and and I had to relook at Falada's name like multiple times, and I'm like, Falada. what is that? I mean, the dude is awesome. I yeah, love yeah, that guy. Yeah. He's got such a cool look to him. But I'm like these names. But suck. I'm, I'm I'm wondering if it was one of those. I mean, because it's based on a book, so I'm assuming these characters were in the book. Yeah, and I'm sure it's one of those things where it's it's more fun to read Bukowski like the, the name and then read the name Falada than it is to like actually say it. You yeah. know, I, I don't know. I have no clue. Bukaki, <laughs> Bukaki and Felatio. Yeah. Talking about space naked chicks and uh, phallic-looking ships. Yeah, and, and so they're, <laughs> yeah, they're talking about how, like, you know, they, you know, what happened to the Columbia, what happened to Churchill, yada, yada, yada. And they do mention that uh, there's a little throwaway line that Dr. Pukowski says um, 
that they're like, how did you get the girl out of the coffin? He goes, it just opened right when I was thinking about it to open. And I was like, okay. And it's neat. I like how they kind of throw these little supernatural things, but you know, they're scientists. So he's like, he's like, I note, I'm noting that it did this, but I'm not going to call it supernatural because I'm still a scientist, so I'm still trying to figure it out. But I like the fact that they sort of note everything because that's what a good scientist will do. They should be aware and present as to what's happening. And he's like, he's just like, yeah, it just happened to to do it when I was thinking about it. So he's like, I don't know if there's a correlation, but whatever. But I like that. I like little neat little character stuff like that. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So he goes into his office and we see on the monitor that he has like he can basically see into like the the lab area. So even though he's in this office uh, area, he, you get the sense that there's like this downstairs lab or something like mm-hmm. in the basement and he's got cameras that can kind of see everywhere. And they use this to kind of, you know, he looks at the camera and they use this to take us into the next scene of basically a guard guarding Matilda May's, you know, quote unquote lifeless body. They think she's dead. They just assume she's dead, yeah. obviously, and they're going to do an autopsy on her in a little bit. Meanwhile, she has like full on makeup on. Of course she does. I'm like, oh, she's got it. She, they, did up, they did up her face. She's yeah. Like lip <laughs> and blush before they cut her brains out then yeah, yeah they got to do her up a little bit <laughs> why not she why looks not? like a kardashian at this point you know? <laughs> um so <laughs> the guy the guard is drawn in we don't know why but he's like kind of like drawn into the room and he's like looking at her and he touches her and her eyes open and they do a little they try to do a little startle sound you yeah. know on that you know and uh and she sits right up Oh boy, and this is probably the one of the best scenes I've ever seen in my entire life. I have at least twenty gifs on my phone of this scene. But when when Matilda May sits up, it's spectacular. It's so amazing. I do not want to take a black light to your phone. <laughs> you do not. Never. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, come on. Yeah, this 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 is a very mainstream Hollywood film. Uh, and, and she's just, I mean, we've got to talk, talk about the nudity. We have, we have to, man. She's, I mean, she is beautiful. I, she's amazing. There's no, no harm in that. I guess. You sound like you're going to get vampire sucked. (laughs) I wish I'd get, oh man, I would turn into a shriveled up dude in a heartbeat. (laughs) Shrivel me, baby. No, that's gross. That's gross. <laughs> um, so she does shrivel him. Yeah, she shrivels him. <laughs> she shrivels him real good. Uh, she sucks his life force out while Dr. Bukowski's kind of like shocked at this, right? Yeah, he's just watching. Yeah, he's like, whoa. And so he goes, makes it like, he hightails it, right? He runs. Yeah. He runs down there. And I like the shot of when he gets into the room, into the basement area, and like the, the, the guard is still sort of stand, standing there, you know, yeah. and he kind of like grabs him and, you know, in his arms and he you can see that he's all shriveled and yeah. gross looking. I was like, that's a, it's a cool looking like death. It's a, or, like, or I mean, cause they don't technically die and we'll find that out, but like, it's a cool effect, even though the transformation isn't always great. The end result looks kind of neat. Yeah. It was, it kind of reminded me of Bernie Wrightson a little bit. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. And yeah, I wonder if there is a Bernie Wrightson connection with Dan O'Bannon. Cause I think Bernie Wrightson did some design Return on of Return of Living Dead. Uh, and so maybe Maybe there's a connection there. Maybe they had him design the, the what they looked like. 
or the, yeah, or he's a fan, and yeah. But no, I, I see that. Influence. I, I Influence. see the uh, I see that right there with especially with the shriveled up like corpse look and everything. And then she kind of like walks out of the shadows and beckons for Doctor Bukowski to like you know come to her, and you're like, oh no, he's gonna get it too. It's so cool. It's yeah, and it's so cool, and that's because if you watch the old Hammer vampire movies, they're really sexy. They weren't. There wasn't nudity, and maybe there what maybe there would be nudity if it was made in more modern '80s time, right? Because at the end of the day, it's just the shell, and I feel like that's that's what to me was like. Yeah, there's excessive nudity, but who gives a shit? It really what what it. I think it's. I'm reading way too much into this, but I feel like it makes a statement. Like it's not she's using her ability to entice people. To take over their bodies. Yeah. No, I that's what a vampire does. Yeah, no, it, it totally it totally fits. And of course we're, you know, wrapped up around Matilda May. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who was in that role. The the end result was supposed to be the same, which is you're supposed to be enticed by yeah. their their body and their their face. Like and like a vampire, they draw you in and yeah. then they can attack. Whether and, it was her or Shannon Tweed or Kathy Shower. And and they <laughs> and the sad thing is they didn't dive into it too much much but i i wish that they had because like i said the male the male vampires tomax and zaymon tomax and Z- they look pretty much <laughs> identical that's what i wrote down but they were just as gorgeous but in male forms yeah. and i like that i i feel like we saw obviously a lot of of matilda may in this i wish we saw more of them to kind of balance it out yeah. and to kind of show that it's not so much about Matilda May being naked as it is about the vampires, plural, being naked. If if this movie was made now, I guarantee you, she they wouldn't show her as nearly as much as they did, but they would show Wang. Yeah, they would show Wang would. just to make it Because that's like what they more... do now. They're like, oh, but we've got to balance it out. Like, who gives a shit? Whatever. They're just naked. Who cares? Like, I, why that was a taboo in the 80s to show dudes yeah, I you know? think that there there was I think that was an MPA thing. I think they Yeah, which is so show. lame. It's yeah. so lame. Just it, like who gives a shit to pull a car, pull a Harvey Keitel and uh show him, you know. Well, it, well, or <laughs> is it a um like is it a, a an urban legend because I thought also like you couldn't kill like young kids because of movies like The Blob remake and you couldn't have a kid under 10 being like killed like horrifically like I that. I forget there is a documentary on the MPAA how okay. lame it is. Yeah. It is really ridiculous uh but it that that was kind of uh very apparent to me where i'm like because even steve rails back when he gets naked later in the movie i'm like it's so uh they cover him up so, so blatantly yeah so well it's like, come on just who gives a shit whatever yeah. but and somebody was like we can't show that yeah, and and you know, and then poor Matilda May is just walking around just buck naked yeah, the like, entire time. I'm just being exploited. That's not French, but you know. <laughs> I'm just being exploited. <laughs> that's, that's my French. And we've alienated our entire French <laughs> Sorry. fan base right there. Sorry, that's I, okay. I like. Uh, I don't think we had any. Mickey Rourke and Jerry Lewis. <laughs> um, luckily, though, for Doctor Bukowski, uh, Doctor Falada just <laughs> randomly names, rolled man. up in his in his office. I know. Yeah. Well, we're gonna hear him a lot. So <laughs> yeah, Falada just rolls up. Falafel. Falafel. Doctor Bukowski. <laughs> Sorry. Coming soon to CBS. Bukowski and Falafel. <laughs> what kind of what kind of trouble are they going to get into this week? Oh no, you know they have a robot sidekick. <laughs> if this is 1985, they got a robot sidekick. Uh, but Falada sees, 
you know, in the office, he's like, uh, what's going on? And he sees the monitor. He is smart, though, because he brings a bunch of guards with him when he goes yeah, down he's there. He's a badass. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes down there, but Bukowski's not dead, but he's obviously, like, drained. He's been drained. And he, and from this point on, Gothard is going to be sweaty. <laughs> his, his, as an actor, his character is going to be sweaty the entire time from now on out. <laughs> yeah, the, the, and the sweat looks legit. It's not like in um, Terror Vision where they've got uh, gel, jelly yeah. all over their faces. Yeah. This is like, I don't know how they got them. He does a good job. I good mean, thing. honestly, he, he Baby looks oil, like he's um, just drained. Like, yeah. he, as an actor, he does a fantastic job of, of acting, like, just totally just drained like he looks he, like a dude that works at best buy yeah because <laughs> life because his life force is just drained out of his body <laughs> or the warehouse back in the day where the yeah. warehouse <laughs> i hate my life i hate my life <laughs> please oh god <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, of course they also find the guard's lifeless body, you know, and uh, basically the the space girl now just starts. Oh, you know, Matilda May is referred to in this movie as just space girl. Like in the credits, <laughs> they call her just space girl. Wow. They don't even call her like space vampire. It's so sexy. She's just space girl. Yeah, and I guess the other guys are space boy one and space boy two. Yeah, I'm gonna call them Tomax and Zaymont. Yeah, space Tomax and space Zaymont. That's <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. When we call her Baroness, <laughs> um, we. Uh, uh, basically, we, we see her walking around, um, and she comes across uh, three guards. One of them tries to sort of, like, beckon her, you know, to come here, and he does. she does some kind of, like, Jedi mind trick on him, does something to him, right? Like, her powers seem to be, A, electric-based, and B, like, telekinetic-based. Yeah, you're talking about when, when uh, she's walking down the stairs. Yeah, when she's yeah. walking down the stairs. And the guy's like, come here. Yeah, and the one guy's like, you know, hey, come here. And then it's like she, <laughs> she dispatches him, but she doesn't kill him yeah. or the other guy, but she easily, like, dispatches them. And then the guard behind her uh, on the stairs, the older guy, he's like, I'm not going to fuck with that, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm out of here. There, yeah. was a, there was an excessive amount of grunting going on. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Just as I wrote that down, like, the grunting. What's going on? And the way he beckoned her was, like, calling a cat. Well, he, he had, had like food. In, he had food in his hand. So he's like, come here. He's like, come here. And then, she, yeah, she does say, like, the, the lights like flicker and then he's yeah. like you know and so basically you get the idea that she's got some kind of telekinesis powers yeah which I, that kind of jives with vampire lore yeah. they could always do stuff they hypnotize people yeah exactly yeah. um and then she walks up like uh the way she leaves the the building is pretty cool she walks up to the glass even though it looks like there's a door right there she's like i don't know how to use that so i'm just gonna blow all the glass out with my telekinetic powers that was awesome and walk off naked into the night naked into the night Man, if I if only nine year old me was living in London at that time, walking around the night, I would have died. I mean, you know, she would have sucked my soul out. Everyone would have died. Yeah. It, it was uh, it, it, whether it was a vampire or a werewolf walking around from American Werewolf in London. Was what year was that? I feel like that was eighty four. I'm probably wrong, but okay. it was definitely before, definitely before Life Force. Oh, was it before it, Life Force? It ha- yeah. Yeah, it has to be. Okay. Well, this is we're not doing uh, American Werewolf in London just yet, so we'll, we'll move on. Nor are we. Nor we, are we. <laughs> well, we're never going to do it? I don't know. Yeah, I, and honestly, it's not. For me, I was more of a howling guy yeah. growing up. I didn't really watch. Uh, I think it's overrated, but. I've only seen it like once, to be truthful yeah. with you. People are like, no, it's the Holy Grail, and like, whatever. Um, for me, I like werewolves that are on two, like on their hind legs. The Howling. The Howling is my favorite kind of werewolf. Yeah. It's a good movie, but again, 
And I always throw up the meme of um, Lebowski saying, that's just like your opinion. Yeah. Truth be told, that's my opinion, too. Yeah. There you go. I I don't really have one. I need to rewatch it. I I, I remember American Mueller from Paris was terrible. I watched though. it last year and I was like, <laughs> okay, it's cool. You're like that exists. Yep. Yeah, there that's are some a thing. great jump scares. Anyways, um, I digress. So we have a we have a bit of a you know a time cut now, um, and there's like a news crew and everything at the Europe European Space Research Center, London, <laughs> <laughs> aka the labs or aka the offices. That's what I refer to in my notes. <laughs> um, and we meet. Colonel Kane finally shows up, uh, Colin Firth's brother. The way he, his entrance is so epic, too. I like him. He was cool, so dude. He's such a badass. I did not like his soft face too much, but... <laughs> I, didn't like, I did not like his baby skin face. His, his, he looked way too soft, and his hair was way too, like, cherub curly. Yeah. But as an actor and as a character, I liked his character. I thought his character was pretty badass. He walked in, I was like... It's the sixth doctor from Doctor Who, <laughs> who I love. I know people are like, meh, about Colin Baker. Yeah. Such a great doctor. And he looks pretty badass, I think. I, I, he's the one with the, the curly hair and the, the scarf, right? Yeah, and no relation to Tom Baker. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tom Baker was the other one, right? The fourth doctor with curly brown hair. Okay. The most iconic. Okay. The, the best, in my opinion. Okay, the Tom Baker's then the one that I always think of when I think of like the old school No, Colin doctor. Baker was like, he dressed like a clown. And uh, he was the most colorful. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kane's badass. I Kane think. is badass. I, I, th- I thought he was cool. Like I said, at, at first he's a little bit, you know, soft looking. Well, it's like when you take your G.I. Joes apart and switch heads. Yeah. And someone took, you know, you remember Duke was so Yeah. Dope. And this is my, like, fourth G.I. Joe reference, which I love. Uh, it's like when someone took Duke's head, which sucked. Duke's head sucked. He had this big shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> and you're like, you're, dude, you're a combat soldier. You're supposed to have, like, a grizzled look. And you switch that head on Destro's body. Destro had the best <laughs> cool looking frame. And you put this head on there. And you're like, simply, like, no, it's lame. So Colin, Colin Firth had a much better face than Duke. I'm just saying, it's like you switched heads. I, I, um, I, don't think, I don't think that was Colin. I don't think this is Colin Firth. I think this Sorry, is, is Peter this, Firth. Is, which one is this? Yeah, one? this is Peter Firth. This is Peter Firth. Peter Firth. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, got it. I'm like, wait a minute. Which Firth is this? The Love Actually it. guy. The Love Actually. <laughs> Belmont. <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> my God. Uh, they show Colonel Kane the body of the drain guard. Uh, then they basically, they, they tell him. So he, he's asking Dr. Bukowski, like, what happened? Uh, and then Dr. Bukowski basically tells him it's like, it, it's, you know, you're, you're drawn to the person super sexually, but at the same time, it's horrible. So there's like this dual thing going on inside yeah. of you. And I like the fact that, like, you know, uh, Colonel Kane, he didn't like, oh, you're lying. He was like, okay, like, he, he kind of takes all the information that he gets. He's very, his character is very open minded. Yeah, he's kind of like an X Files. Uh, yeah. Like, okay, sure, tell me. And, and he, he works for, like, the Air mm. air special, special Services, which I think it's just the Air Force branch uh, for them or something. It reminded me of Unit from Doctor Who. Okay. Unit was, they were the ones that investigated paranormal activities of uh, alien aircraft. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, you know more about Doctor Who than I do. I'm not a huge Old Doctor school. Who, right? And I kind of only like the newer stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm more of a David Tennant uh, Doctor Who guy. Fair enough. Yeah. How but, dare you? Yeah. <laughs> it was never. Yeah, it was never on my radar as a kid. Oh, I was, man. and I'm not a huge fan of like British TV as a kid either. Maybe that's why I found this so appealing because this reminded me. This reminded me of an R-rated Doctor uh, Who episode. Yeah. You, 
actually good call. I, I didn't think about it when I was watching it, but you're right. This almost plays out like a rated R version of a Doctor Who episode, like a two-hour episode. My God, I seriously, that that's a great analogy. You're welcome. Wow, good good one, buddy. That's, <laughs> that's why that's why we work so well together, that's my right. friend. That's why I got the go- that's why I got the job. Yeah, that's uh, the only reason why I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is the only reason. Well, I'll take and, it. And your Just good give me the job. Oh, thanks. I'll take that too. Um, so during this, there's a lot of exposition going on right here, but we find out that uh, that the capsule or the escape pod from the Churchill like someone actually made it off the ship and they're like oh cool so yeah. like we got that's going to be coming to us uh, pretty soon we find out that um, uh, also that uh, sorry so Dr. Bukowski basically leaves you know because he's, he's feeling drained and everything which it jives it tracks with, with the story and everything and this gives a chance for Dr. Falada to explain to Colonel Kane like what he feels is happening uh, he basically studies death and he feels like uh, to him it seems like she's drawing the life force from people so she drew the life force from that guard completely and killed him but she only drew that life force partially from Dr. Bukowski aka Dr. Bukaki. He's the modern day Van Helsing. He's Van Helsing. He's Van Helsing in, in this movie essentially. He even has like the white hair like Van Helsing and everything. Yeah. And then so apparently the male vampires are still in the basement right? Tomax and Zaymar. Tomax and Zaymar are still down there rocking their thing uh, and, and so of course you know once we find out that they're there like once it's mentioned that they're there then the camera cuts down to there and two guards are kind of like watching their bodies and they're like okay you know is anything going to happen well of course it is because our, our, the camera is now on you guys yeah, you know I what know. I mean hello aren't you guys a part of this movie <laughs> don't you guys understand that if you're a part <laughs> if you're in the story something's going to happen you gotta get wasted and sure enough the two Tomax and Zaymont they wake up in explosive fashion yes they kind of get up and then just blow the doors out, yes. and the guards shoot them. Uh, there was a, actually a couple good shots of of squibs like hitting. That's great. Yeah, uh, bodies like they get so, destroyed. Yeah, and I, I they must have used like a fake body mold and then you know shot shot through it or you know did yeah. some squib explosions. But you rarely ever see very like good. Um, shirtless bullet holes, and these were really good. Yeah, I was like, that was impressive. Uh, and then one of the one of the guards throws a grenade, and we think blows up the the two vampires. We'll come back to that because I start. I have a hard time figuring out where things actually happen, and I I don't know if it's me or if the movie's just poorly written. <laughs> but uh, for now, let's just say that the Tomax and Zaymont are blown up. They are, and because. Uh, um Somebody mentions at some point to collect the pieces. Collect the pieces, and the two <laughs> the two guards that blew them up, um, they're still alive. Yes. Uh, but so, of course, the explosion caused Kane and Falada to hear it, so they go, you know, running downstairs, see what the fuck happened, and then they find out what the fuck happened. Um, was Bukaki in the bathroom again? Is that what that was? <laughs> Falafel, go check it out. All right. So now they're like, oh, crap. So if they're waking up, you know, we got to do the autopsy on the guard, right? All right, so we basically we cut into this this the autopsy room, and there's about four doctors in there, and they're about to do an autopsy on the guard that got drained. When sure enough, the motherfucker wakes up. Yeah, I thought this was kind of cool, like the noises that he makes. <clears throat> I like they freak me out, dude. That that sort of freaked me out the most. Yeah, it got really loud. I was watching when again the Amazon version and had this had the volume down pretty low, and suddenly the volume just spiked up 
one, whenever there was yelling and screaming, we'll get to uh, Railsback's character later screaming oh, all the God. time. Oh, God. Like, Shut up, dude. That that dream sequence where he yeah. woke up from, that almost blew my speakers <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, I was like, what the hell just happened here? Yeah, that, that's insane. They got to figure that out with TVs, by the way. Like, the, 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 the problem with audio... Yeah, where the explosions are a gazillion times more yeah, powerful than the dialogue. dialogue, and then you turn it up, and then an explosion happens, <laughs> and your TV, your speakers get blown, essentially. Yeah, so. yeah it's ridiculous. So the, the guard wakes up, and he's, you know, making yeah. all these horrible noises, which I think the sound design was actually probably oh, was one of the better parts of this movie. And he kind of lures the one doctor over to him, and so there's still, like, this whole, like, beckoning thing going yeah. on, even though he's all weird-looking. And he drains the life force of this one doctor in front of basically everyone else. Like and everyone, no one sees does it. shit to stop well, it. What are you supposed to do, man? When you see like electricity flying in the air, like I'd be afraid to touch them. I mean, first off, I wouldn't want to even touch that guard in the first place. That's true. I think it was nasty. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but they have it's some cool shots of like the doctor kind of getting em- emaciated a little yep, bit while cool. while the 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 you you could actually see the doctor shrivel while the guard kind of grows back and i mean this is old school special effects yeah, so they have cool. like actual like prosthetics and bladders in their faces and stuff to kind of blow them up and whatnot and it's for the time it was decent it did its job i thought at least oh yeah look great yeah um and because of this oh and i gotta say i gotta say i was i actually really was intrigued by the guard when he when he wakes up or like when he's back to full force he's like oh I'm bad. Like you so didn't. Happy. There were, yeah, there was no like sense that like he's a bad person. Yeah, he's still himself. That's what was kind of like almost freaky about it is that it's a disease. Mm-hmm. Because when he sees what he did to the other doctor, you know, he, he's like, oh my god, you know, he's terrified. Yeah, he's so, shocked. Yeah, so I, I like that. I like like, and again, it's another vampire thing where like you still sort of retain who you are, but you still need that. You know, whatever you need, you need it, and you're going to do what you got to do to get it. But it's the addiction. It's the addiction. It's you know, allegory for addiction. But I thought the, that guard actor did a good job, just yeah. just kind of being like at first, like sort of ecstatic that he's back to life, you know. And then all of a sudden, then then it's like a whole thing. And then we're like, where am I? Like, and it's all on his face. He doesn't say anything. He's like, then it's like, where am I? Why am I naked? And then boom, why is this doctor like all gross looking in front of me? Why is everyone run coming after me? Yeah. You know, like he and he does all of it without saying anything. It's one of the better scenes in the entire movie. Just worth, I figured, worth noting because I thought, sadly, this guy was probably one of the better actors in the entire film. <laughs> and he ha- he says hardly anything. <laughs> he doesn't it's say not, anything at all. He just says nothing. Yeah. All right. So they take the the guard away and they go to put him in a in a jail cell, isolation cell, whatever they isolate him is what they say. And because they know what happened, they're like, okay, obviously isolate the doctor too. Like yeah. they know now that the doctor's probably going to come back even though they don't really, you know, understand what's happening. Uh then we find out there has been a body of a young lady found in Hyde Park and you know, like in a in you know, in a in a not in a good shape. And uh, this is when they actually, I think they introduced Sir Percy. Uh, yes. Home home uh, security is what his name. And then I forgot what his, his real name was, the actor's name. Percy. Yeah, Percy. Percy Pringle. Um, so, so basically they find out about that and that, you know, obviously they need to go check out this this woman. So Kane and Falada and the police are kind of like at the park. And it's, you know, it's daytime now because it's, it's the morning. And there's a shriveled up naked corpse on the ground that two kids 
kids found. So they they basically uh, they take it back to they say All right, we're going to take it back to the um, to the lab. You know, don't the, they say now she has clothes or something like that? Well, okay, yeah. So so basically, find out that the kid. So the kids say to the police they call the police because they saw that a lady and her were basically walking together, yeah. a naked lady. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, oh, we circled back around because we wanted to see them like basically hook up, and they found the body. But so now they assume that the naked lady is their space girl, Matilda May, and now she has clothes. Now she has clothes. And more than that, she has a new face, but we don't really know that just yet. No. And this is where I start not understanding how things work. This is where the book starts movie. falling apart. <laughs> yeah, this is where things start happening, and I start questioning what's going on. It's like you built this radical Lego pe- Lego ship, and then the pieces start falling off. And you're like, oh, man, but it looks so cool. Yeah, but it's missing half its body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and at this point too like pretty much everything starts moving fairly quick uh during the entire movie moves along at a a pretty brisk pace especially for a two-hour movie yeah for a two-hour movie this goes by pretty fast yeah um back at the so back at the labs um we're basically the the at the cell with the 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 doc, no, I'm sorry, the guard, the original guard, and he's he's in the cell. And he's kind of like you know he's got a robe on or whatever. But they know that it's been two hours since he's last fed, and Falada thinks that okay, something. This is when something's going to happen. Yeah. And sure enough, we see it. The guard tries to get to him. He becomes more and more frantic, you know, because he needs that he needs that life force. Come on, give me Come that on, life, life force. force. Come on, life force. <laughs> and uh, to the point where he just keeps freaking out, and then he just basically shrivels up and dies. And I thought he exploded. No, no, that will be the doctor. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. that'll Sorry. be the next one. Um, so he just kind of shrivels up. Yeah. And uh, Falada's like, you know, like, check this out. And he pokes the body with, like, a stick. In his, <laughs> and it just, like, kind of concaves in. And it's just dust in yeah. there. I was like, yeah, that was pretty scientific. He's like, oh, let me, let me just <laughs> hey poke guys, this. Check this out. Yeah. Crunch. Oops. Yeah. Well, if we do bring him back to life, he's going to miss be missing half his ribcage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and so they know that the doctor, you know, should be something should be happening with him too. So they go check on on him in his cell, and he's like halfway, like like shriveled up looking, and he's like standing there. But like right when he sees them, he just rah, runs after them, and <laughs> right when he hits the the cage, he explodes into like ash. It's amazing. That was a that was a really cool effect. Yeah, it's it's hilarious because. It- it, yeah, this the big wave of ash. Yeah, just like basically they get cannoned of ash. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure they had no asbestos in it whatsoever no. back in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we wrap up this whole scene where we basically go in and see the body of the girl that they found in the... The park in Hyde Park. Now she's it's like it's like one after another basically, and yeah. now she's in there, and now she's strapped down. So they're like, okay, we know something's going to happen, and of course, this just kind of like verifies Falada's two-hour mark. Um, and she, of course, wakes up and starts freaking out. And they have like EKG meters on her and everything, yeah. and then she just freaking explodes <laughs> when when no one could like you know get to her. Now that one kind of reminded me a little bit of the half zombie in Return. The living oh, dead totally. but yeah. the half zombie in return of the living dead was much better done yes. than this one was yes and i doubt that budget for return of the living dead was the same 
Yeah, I don't think so. I think I bet you the the budget for Return of the Living Dead was like like a half of what this was. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sadly. they probably filmed that in like New Jersey. Yeah. Or no, they filmed it in L.A. Yeah, they yeah, filmed it in L.A. Yeah, yeah. it was right down. Uh, what was that? Um, East L.A. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why uh, they they spent most of their money on this movie filming it in in the U.K. <laughs> yeah. With the cost of shipping everything over. <laughs> uh, and then we find out that the Churchill's escape pod has landed in Texas. Apparently, Texas is in the middle of a uh, rainstorm, a horrific rainstorm. A torrential, torrential <laughs> downpour. But a real quick shot of a bunch of military people like opening up the, the escape pod, and in there is Railsback, uh, a.k.a. Colonel uh, Carlson. Yep. And so basically, they're like, get this man to London, you know? Yeah. Like, and I mean, I guess... So wait, so if everything's been happening within like, you know, two hour time frames and whatnot, like he got to London in like an hour, even though he was <laughs> in Texas. Yeah. He, cause he just all of a sudden just shows up and he's been shaved, he shaved and everything. Yeah. The, the timeline does well, He was recuperating quite... with a pretty nurse. Yeah. Yeah, he was. So, sexist line. <laughs> recuperating with a pretty nurse. <laughs> the timeline doesn't really jive in this movie, no, does it? You no, know, sadly, no. sadly. What was that Johnny Depp movie where it was like seven minutes or something, 98 minutes? The whole movie was exactly, it took place over the course of 90 minutes or something like that. Oh, yeah, and it was supposed to be like real time or real something. Real time, yeah. I mean, the movie sucked, um, but it really did suck. Yeah. But I remember that being so cool. Like, how are they going to do this? And it really was lame. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. I think I, I think I saw it on VHS or yeah. something when it first came out. I didn't love it. Like, don't start throwing time into a movie if you're not going to be uh, have continuity with it, please. <laughs> yeah. Like, stick to gonna... the stick to the time frame. <laughs> yeah. You when don't it's need all to... about minutes. Yeah. You, you know, don't need like, to. bomb's going to explode in five seconds and like 20 minutes go by. And three seconds left. And you're like, wait. What the hell yeah. is going on? Two hours. Okay, it's clearly going to take them. What? I, I don't. I've never flown there, but I think it would take twelve hours to get at least. I think so. I mean, if you're on a military know. jet, but I mean, like Texas is in the middle of America, so yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, you, you got at least like eight hours or something of a flight. Maybe they put him on some like high speed Concorde oh, yeah. style thing, but still, like even if he got there and literally like. He shaved. They're like, hey, guy, <laughs> I know you just crash landed back on Earth, but we need you in London yeah. like now. Uh, like he would still it would take him like a day to get there. Yeah. And it clearly has been less than a day. Right. Uh, but he does. He fills them in. You know, he's there. So now we basically have our crew. This is our, our team now, essentially. Kane and uh, uh, Carlson are basically like our duos. And he, you know, he's talking with Falada and Bukowski, Bukaki, and he's he basically have a little flashback of what happened on the Churchill and he explains that one by one his crew members basically started dying and he just had to do what he had to do and destroy it and get the hell out of there and he makes th- another statement like he was like it was the hardest thing I ever had to do and Bukowski was like yeah I'm sure it was you know that was like your life work or whatever he was like no the hardest thing was leaving her yeah. like that was to him the hard he's like I-, I I knew I had to leave but it was just incredibly hard so they keep pushing this like idea that she has this control over everybody and they just yeah, he's, keep pushing it yeah and he's he's the he's the female in every vampire movie which right. was a cool role reversal yeah you're right that's a good point he's playing the, the the main lead like if this was dracula he would be one of writer's character whereas yeah. matilda may is gary oldman and it's you're right it's 
the movie gets so lost in the fact that, or at least like I think in a lot of people's minds that it's this nudie pick. Yeah, and it really is. I mean, it is. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's a nudie pick. But there's some interesting stuff going on underneath uh, the surface and ideas that they're playing with. But sadly, a lot of them just do not get like fully realized. No. And I think that's the I want to love this movie because of what they're trying to do, but at the end of the day it just becomes basically a pair of boobs with like, you know, not much substance around it even though they tried their hardest to give us something. Yeah, I feel like again, it's one of those movies where it's on paper it sounds awesome, you know. Yeah. Uh, then we also find out that um, uh, Dr. Bukowski tells Colonel Kane that an object has, has been tracked leaving Haley's Comet and is heading towards Earth, and it'll be here in two days. Yep. So now we have, like, another clock-ticking scenario here, and we know that the, the Life Force spaceship is now heading to Earth. Um, and then we have, like, we go—so Colonel Carl- Carlson, like, goes back to bed type of thing. He's like, oh, can, I, can I go get some rest? And we're treated to a— you know, a, a sex dream with uh, him and him that's, and the space that's girl. That's what I wrote down with the worst kissing on the planet. Yeah, dude, it's, this movie has the worst kissing in the history of kissing on screen. Well, maybe it was because uh, a poor nineteen-year-old girl was forced to kiss a forty-year-old man <laughs> with horrible eyebrows. Oh, the, dude, the, Railsback's unibrow dude, will be featured on our Instagram page. The eighties. I've already. I, I don't know what it was in the eighties, but for some reason, men weren't allowed to have like their eyebrows groomed or something. Yeah. I mean, dude, when I get a haircut, man, I have them groom my eyebrows all the time because I do not want to wind up like no, an dude. old man with the crazy eyebrows that just stick out of nowhere. <laughs> the even the the one guard that she didn't fuck up when she left he had crazy old man eyebrows yep. i mean i i call them british eyebrows but like what was the deal back in the day with dudes just could not get like like their like they wouldn't groom their nose hairs and they wouldn't groom their their eyebrow unibrow hairs. it was like the unibrow and then the the pockmarked acne scars yeah yeah everyone had a lot of <laughs> oh some there was some rough skin back in the 80s man <laughs> some rough real skin. rough skin but yeah and so he wakes up from his from his dream with that, the loudest scream that I've ever freaking had in a, in a movie, and I, I literally could hear my speakers crackle <laughs> while I, I was screaming. I was, like, come on. I was like, come on, Scream Factory, tone that one down a yeah, little bit. Railsback's got to, he's got to back off the, uh, the screaming just a little bit. The, the amount of yelling and screaming that he does in this movie is ridiculous. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean he's he's playing it, man. He's 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 trying. He's he's definitely doing it. Oh, he's I, a great. He's a really good actor. I, I gotta say, everyone in this movie yeah. is doing a hundred percent. They're doing their job. Yes. Ever from the special effects people, from the composer, from the director, everyone is doing their damn job. And at the end of the day. What comes out at the other end is just n- not worth the effort that they put into it. What comes out at the end of that long, shafty-looking ship? <laughs> so they uh, they decide to hypnotize Carlson to yep. kind of find out, uh, you know, what's happening, right? Yeah. And so they hypnotize him. And again, there's a lot of stuff that I don't really like. I'm, I'm like, how does hypnotizing him find out that like he then can now see what she's doing? It's so, an immediate hypnotizing. Yeah. Like, oh, we're just gonna hypnotize. That's what we do. 
it's it's more of a MacGuffin, I guess, because they use it later to kind of get some more information out. But to move the story forward, you know, they use Carlson because they know he has a connection to the lady. Uh, the dream basically tells them that they're connected. There's some sort of connection there, but you don't know what it is. So they, they hypnotize him, and he sees that Matilda May, the space vampire girl, is she looks like the the redheaded girl that they found in the park. Yes. Isn't that her body that they found? Well, I feel like I, I think that's a continuity error. Well, or uh, but they don't explain it. But I feel like okay, it's just another redheaded girl, right? I don't. But I think it's supposed think it's to be the same girl because why would you get so, like oh, another redhead? Oh yeah, so he took over her. She took over her whole essence, basically. Right, but then, but then at the when when they're finished with her no, in a little bit, like she's her. still alive. Like it, she just, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Maybe like, she's got a thing for redheads because she only body swaps. Well, she only does that once, and she she jumps. Well, she jumps into uh, then she oh. also jumps into Patrick. See, yeah. Again, it's just, it's yeah. really weird. But all right, so, so yeah, I'm confused. Yeah, I know. Me, <laughs> me too. And this is this is the part that I really wanted to like try to figure out but i, I kind of think that there is no figuring it out that I think dream sequence just, or that or that that where he's like envisioning her in the car it's really gross to me yeah, too because she picks up like a, a, a like this like older gentleman yeah. and then she seduces that guy yeah. but we find out that she doesn't kill him because she's now she's learning she's like i can't leave like a trail of bodies behind i have to like actually you know and and, and maybe you're right maybe she they she just happened to kill a redhead and then take the body of a redhead of another i think I think as a director, they should have. If it was supposed to be two different characters, they should have made them look different. And maybe I, Patrick Stewart was a redhead before he went gray. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe she has a thing for redheads. Um, and then, and through that, we find out, you know, that we also find the license plate. So, yes. like, okay, so this is the way that he's that we're going to track, you know, this girl and everything. Um, <laughs> the license plate was, uh, uh, I don't know. It, yeah, it was. I don't think it was. It should have been. Oh, you eight one two or something. Oh, eight one two would be great. That was what I was thinking of. Van Halen. Oh, you eight one two. Anyone? And and so we find out that no, I don't have that. I don't. I wasn't tracking that, buddy. <laughs> Somebody but, was. But through the hypnosis, we find out that there's two minds in the body: Ellen, which is the redhead, and then the space vampire. Yeah. So Ellen and Alan. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no. Two inside. Sorry. Alan, what? I just think it'd be funny if like there was a couple, and one ma- one one was named Alan, and the other one was Ellen. That sounds like an SNL skit yeah. that that probably would go nowhere. Oh, I have a children's book I'm <laughs> writing called Alan and Ellen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I hope it goes somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Clearly, we have no fun on this podcast. No fun whatsoever. <laughs> Can you guys lighten up a little bit? Oh my god. So they wonder where her original body is, but they don't. At this point, they don't really know. And they cut to another shot of the spaceship getting closer and closer to Earth. Yep. And we're like, okay, that's craziness there. Then we cut to another shot of Doctor Falada and his like his office or something, and he's 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 pulling out a sword out of a box. It's the coolest. It's it's straight out of. Uh, it reminds me of Highlander. Yeah, I Kirk, mean, it's, Kurgan's, yeah, it's, it's Kurgan's like a, sword. It's like a 
broadsword. It's like a two-handed, like, it'll cut your damn head off type yeah. of thing. But he's just, like, pulling it out of a box. He's like, oh, that's interesting, you know. Uh, what's, <laughs> oh, Amazon, Amazon delivered this early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prime day, bitches. <laughs> and then, uh, and then. Falafels a, for everyone. A very suspicious guard enters the room. It's very and handsome, he, suspicious guard. Handsome. And you know he's suspicious because it, I think they did one of those, like, where the 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 they make it so that there's a light across his eye, yeah. but the rest of his face is kind of in shadows. Yeah. It's so cheesy. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, you're suspicious. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, and so they basically find out that um, they tracked the license plate, and it dropped the the the, the guy. You know, they they tracked the license plate. They found the guy. This sort of happens off screen, and they found out that he dropped quote unquote Ellen off at this asylum, which is called Thurlstone Hospital, which yeah. is basically an asylum. So they know that she's there. So Kane and Carlson go to the hospital, and that's where we meet Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, so good. Just want to kiss his forehead. I know. Come on. Come on. Just, just, for, just for luck, man. Just for luck. It's such an awesome... It, it, it's almost like seeing, uh, what was it, Liam Neeson and Kroll, where you're like, oh, cool. This kind of epic... You know, iconic person is in a is in a cheesy sci-fi movie. I've never seen Kroll. Oh, <laughs> spoiler alert! Liam Neeson's in it. That's cool. That actually makes me want to yeah. see Kroll. I always wanted to see it because of the cool like blade thingy, but I never did. And then as I got older, I heard how bad it was, and I was like, okay, well, I'm glad I missed like this. Like Last one. Starfighter, you're like, oh, it's so good, and then you watch it and go, no, it's not so good. Oh yeah, I had that with Last Starfighter probably about five years ago. I saw the movie in theater when I was a kid. I loved it, right? And then I watched it, and the CGI in there, like when they tried to show the asteroid, it looked yeah. like someone just vomited up hair. Yeah, the it, shortcomings of that. I had they're like it's the first movie with CGI, and you're like, yeah, well, clearly, yeah, because it some sucks. of that CGI was really bad yeah. and it took you out of the movie. That's one of the few movies where I'm like, just remaster it in the fact that it's the same movie, just put new CGI on top of it. Yeah. You know, like it would be so much better because it's still a cool ass fucking movie. Yeah. Um, so we find out that Ellen works at the hospital. And that she's basically, it's weird because I guess the nurses that work at the hospital live in apartments in the hospital. Yeah, you know, as one does. Right, in an asylum or something? Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, So they go up to her room, and the interrogation process (laughs) of this involves freaking Colonel Carlson beating this woman up. (laughs) While Colonel Kane watches, and Colonel Kane's like, well, first off, he's like, what are you doing? And, and Colonel Carson's like, because he's connected, he's like, this woman's a masochist. Yeah. She wants to be hit. Like, she wants it. And, and she does like a little smirk, so yeah. you, you know that he's telling the truth. Yeah. And then Colonel, Carl, uh, Colonel Kane, he, he's like, so Carlson goes like, you know, you can leave if you want. And You Colonel, might want to leave. Yeah. yeah. And Colonel Kane goes, well, I am a natural voyeur after all. I just sits <laughs> back so and watches. It's so twisted, dude. Like, I'm like, that was weird. Yeah. That was a weird thing to say. This is a moment when after he said that, as funny as it was, they should have just I was assuming they were gonna cut to the what happens after that. Yeah. But they don't. No, no, no. They no. show him interrogate her. In- interrogate and shake her, her and, and sh- scream at her. Yes. And it is a very uncomfortable scene. 
and and he and he tells like he's like screaming at her like he's like let go of her you know like he's basically telling like the the space girl Matilda yeah. May to like let go of her control over over Ellen or, or you know screaming. whatever so loud yeah and then they kiss <laughs> and then Ellen as one does as with someone you're interrogating does, and and Ellen kind of like passes out you know this was the moment when my wife walked in and she said what are you watching and I go. Oh, she goes, oh, this is a movie with Corey. <laughs> She's like, okay, I get, I get it. it. I get it. This is, so, so you're saying that this is horrible, this right? This is for podcasting after dark. <laughs> so you're saying that I'm not going to like this is, is what your wife is saying. Okay, I Was get this it. for $2 late fee or podcast no, after? No. No. This is, this is sleazy. <laughs> this is a sleazy seas. <laughs> Uh, and then so so Carlson finds out sort of that she's hiding that that she's now hiding inside of this other patient in the hospital and when they go with Patrick Stewart to go see the other page patient they do a little rope rope dope they do a little switcheroo well, hold because, on no, because you remember what he he has to describe the patient and he goes he's fat he's balding and he's got a giant birthmark on his face or something yeah, like he, that. He, he, like, wow, that's quite a description. Yeah, and he does have a birth. Like, the guy that he, he does describe has a birthmark yeah. on his Ooh. face. So I'm wondering, that guy was never, you know, heard. That was no. all a ruse. So I'm wondering how Carlson even knew about the guy with the birthmark on his face, unless he's now just so connected to anyone that, yeah. that Matilda May, that the space girl has been connected to, that it's not just he can, like, gleam like you know just information about her he can gleam any information that's the only thing i could take away is that it's loose yeah it's it's it's, it's actually it's a lame kind of uh they, they should have explained that more and, and it falls under the category of is ellen the same body that they found because again that's what i'm saying like yeah. so they leave ellen and she's fine it's like, like she's she's like it's like she's she's not you know under possession anymore she's yep. got no possession so it's like so then whose body was that at hyde park yeah um i Anyways. think i do think it was supposed to be ellen's and then the story just sort of got away from them well this is this is because we're like three quarters of the way through the movie at yeah this we're, point. We're, we're and it's gonna there's not much to talk about after like it's gonna wrap up pretty quickly it does and and i think at this point it's i think i said this in the beginning of the podcast that it feels like they they spent all this time on the first half of the movie and the second half they just wrote it after the fact right like, oh well what about this Nah, no one's gonna pay yeah, attention to that the intrigue of the beginning half of this film of the first two-thirds yeah. of this film i find to be much more interesting than the climax and this, yeah this is definitely like not following the rules, the traditional rule. They just jumped a bunch of steps. Yeah. They're like, whatever, let's just get to this. And in the middle part of this is a little bit slow, but that would have been okay if like it ramped up and it, it sadly, it does ramp up in the in end, but not way, in yeah. a, not really interesting sort of way. Mm. And it would have been, it yeah. would have been okay. It would have been a much better movie if somehow it ended just how it started. I don't know what that means, but like just as good. If it, I wish it had ended as good as it started. Well, this is when I feel like the producer showed up and met him going and, um, Golan Globus or whatever the hell their names are. <laughs> they go, meh, 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 meh. Uh, and they're like, wait, no, we just need to get the movie over with. Look, we've already spent $20 million. I'm going to give you $3 million and that's it. And that's just it. Just get, get, hurry up. Redhead, brown, who cares? Just put it in. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> wait, make Picard the bad guy now. <laughs> wait, what? Yeah, what? 
<laughs> well, that was a, yeah, that was a, so basically you find out that it was when Picard touched Carlson on his on his shoulder. I yes. don't remember when that was, but I guess yeah. it was in it. Uh, that's when he actually knew that it was it was she was in him, uh, and so he was kind of just playing it off. Type yeah, it's of thing. the psychic link. Yeah, the psychic link. You know, the the Deus Ex Machina essentially. Yes, it's you know. weak, but whatever. It, it, yeah, the the story elements that are in this movie are the weakest parts it's the it's everything around the story that's actually much more entertaining you know uh so they find out they basically grab patrick stewart and inject him with the the truth serum that they were going to give the patient with the the face thing yeah and man patrick stewart does a fantastic job of writhing around on the floor like a fish yeah like and it's you could it was it was interesting because my takeaway was that Patrick Stewart was asleep like his character was asleep and knocked out but the girl was trying to like get away so like his face was all like close like like he was like asleep but his limbs are all moving Patrick Stewart killing it giving it his all in this movie so they take him to do further interrogation of him in this like surgery room yes with this big lurch looking motherfucker yeah (laughs) yeah that that's lurch that what? Oh, right. Oh, I know. Man. Well, I assume I'm going to assume most of our listeners are probably closer to our age. I hope so. And if you're not, then there's an animated Adam's Family movie coming out. So. Oh, I'm actually kind of excited about Me that. Too. I hope it's good. I was always more of a monsters kid though than a, than an so Adam's Family kid. Yeah, because I could understand the monsters. I knew what they were supposed to be. Me too. Yeah, and I thought Lily, Lillian, Lily, uh, the mom monster. Yeah, she was. Hot. I thought she was hotter than. Well, what's the Adams family? What's her name? I forgot. Shoot, darn it! Oh well, something Adams. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it goes to show I'm not a. No. neither of us a huge Adams family. But give me Groovy Ghoulies any day. What's Groovy Ghoulies? Oh, it's like a '60s uh, uh, filmation cartoon where oh, '70s, and they're all little monsters, like little. It was like uh, Laugh In, but with monsters. Oh, interesting. Quick skits and music and shit. It's cool. Oh, very, very interesting. I never heard of that one. Yep, it's a great name, too. Rob Zombie's a big fan. Oh, he loves all of his old, like, weird horror stuff or whatever. (laughs) I love Rob Zombie. So do I, just not (laughs) Not Halloween (laughs) 1 and 2. How dare you? Uh, There's something there. We'll get get into Halloween. We'll get into that. (laughs) So now, so basically she's trapped in Patrick Stewart's body because of the uh, medicine that, or the, the truth serum that they gave him. Yep. Uh, Carlson says that it's kind of behaves like a wall for her. So Carlson gives Patrick Stewart more truth serum and then just starts, tell me, you know, it's his, his answer is just, just to like scream at a person, you know? And it's, it's interesting because they start doing this thing where uh, Patrick Stewart's asleep on the table talking to Carlson as the girl and then they'll sort of switch back and forth with the you know Carlson looking at Patrick Stewart but you actually see Matilda May so yeah. you, you get the idea that he's talking to her and and they just keep going in closer and closer and closer and then- and, and apparently so according to Steve Railsbeck uh, on his documentary on the Blu-ray of this, he makes a comment uh, that, you know, they were talking about Patrick Stewart, you know, in his kiss, essentially. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, Patrick Stewart was like going on, you know, the these Tonight Show type of things when this movie was coming around. And apparently, famously, like somebody asked him, they were like, hey, what's your uh, what was your what's your first on screen kiss? And Patrick Stewart said, Steve Railsback. Steve <laughs> like, Railsback. So, so apparently, Life Force Go. is 
<laughs> Engage. <laughs> is Patrick Stewart's first on-screen kiss was Make Life Force. Make it so, unibrow. <laughs> and dude, Pockmark Patrick, unibrow. <laughs> Patrick Stewart does all the acting, man. He just chews up everything, yeah, and it's great. just gold. Yeah. It's gold. It's gold. He's it's, 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 it's so comical, but he's such a great actor. And if so, if you know who Patrick Stewart is, clearly you do if you're listening to this. It's so it's just it's awesome. It's a it's a laugh out loud moment. Yeah. I mean it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's really entertaining, I got to say. Agreed. Agreed. But so when they finally finally kiss, the whole place goes crazy yep. because the electricity's going everywhere. This whole theme of like whenever the transference happens, yep. chaos sort of happens around it. And now we didn't sort of mention because I kind of didn't track them, but uh, the Home Secretary was also with them, Sir Percy. Yeah. Uh, during the chaos of this room thing, all stuff's flying everywhere. Kane gets like knocked back and everything, but uh, apparently Percy breaks his neck. And Percy broke his neck. And he's dead. He's and dead. he's gone. And uh, Kane kind of does one of those moves where he comes up behind Patrick Stewart with two needles, you know, yeah. in his hand. He goes Rah! sinks into his because the truth serum is like that's the that's the it's the hypnotized mag- serum yeah. or something. It was it was weird, but you go, ah. they needed something to get you from A to B, and they're like truth serum. Truth serum's got to be it. We we all know what truth serum yeah. is. So he's out. So Patrick Stewart's <laughs> out. Uh, uh, Kane is you know like he you know, he's alive and Carl's uh, Carl's bad. <laughs> Carlson's <laughs> alive and uh, Percy's dead. So they take their bodies back onto a helicopter because like all right, well we did what we came here to do, which was to kill Sir Percy yep. and capture Patrick Stewart. <laughs> so they get on the helicopter and we're treated to this really cool scene of. Basically, blood starts coming out of Patrick Stewart's face, <laughs> yeah. and it's a horrible it's like so puppet gross. thing. It's it's a yeah, terrible it's puppet, but the effect on what they were trying to go for was really fucking cool. Yeah, basically, she uses the blood from Patrick Stewart from uh, Sir Percy oh, awesome. to kind of they, she drains out of both of them, and then she forms like in the helicopter as like this blood creature, which looked really neat. And you only saw it for like you only saw it for like thirty seconds, which yeah. is sad because according to matilda may that that took like eight hours to prep uh for her and sadly it was on her birthday so like she had to sit there for like eight hours covered in gook and everything and you know jelly and all this kind of crap but the effect looked really cool when she was like sort of skinless or whatever like even her hair yeah was like made up of skin like she was just a glob of skin together as a person and she lets out a really loud scream and then just kind of explodes and more screaming more screaming that that scream was loud again my poor speakers had a hard time surviving this movie (laughs) i think i did hear a pop in mine (laughs) oh man come on i wouldn't be surprised man also in the helicopter we find out that like it's it's spreading and like you know they they're like oh my god what if she led us astray we need to get back to London. Yeah, they realized it was uh, all a ruse. Basically, yeah, to lead them off course, to move them further back. And so we get a call, I think, from Falada. Falada calls uh, Kane and Carlson and tells them that the the two males jumped bodies into the guards that killed them. Zomax and and Zaymont are now in the bodies that annihilated them. 
Yeah, and and yeah, again, don't really understand because now they look like themselves. You know, yeah. even though their bodies got blown up, I don't know how it works. And that was the problem. The big problem with this movie was that we'll we'll just talk about all that at the end. At this point, you know, it was hard to track, and it was very much like, oh, it's left field. It comes out of left field, you know. Yeah, it does. Uh, but yeah, so apparently, uh, and then he Inflada says that he killed the vampire with the sword. You have to use the old ways, basically, to do it. It doesn't. It's not steel. It has to to be the lead which is why later on Kane's bullet works yes I'm like oh that makes sense that makes sense a, a bullet is just a tiny uh, lead sword essentially it has to be two inches below the heart yeah where the yeah whatever the chakra so energy spot is yes. like it's not actually the heart it's two inches below the heart and th- that's what this movie's weird like this movie gets really in like down in the weeds and, and dirty on these like real specific things yeah. and then with stuff like whose body was that yeah. it's kind of like oh but don't worry about that I'm like okay I, I, but I need to know who the hell that was I'm right? going to say those are the canon days when they when the producers showed up and were like no just, just push it along it's okay it doesn't matter just come on come on yeah. 23 million ka-ching yeah and, and in the helicopter we also find out that uh, Carlson was the one that actually like freed her. Like in in the story he told earlier that he said someone else freed her, but you just find out that he was the one that actually did it. I didn't really need that yeah. little twist because I think we all assumed it from the beginning. You know, yeah, so he it's tried- pretty obvious. And then and I think that was my my complaint for that was oh, but you're not going to do a flashback for that now because they did flashbacks for everything else. Yeah, I was kind of hoping they would show like how she killed everybody on the plane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they the did a, they did a flashback of like of Carlson like opening up her thing and. Then yeah. you find out that was when the exposition I mean it's a big deal but you find out that she also gave Carlson some of her energy too and she wants it back yeah but it wasn't just a one-way thing she took some of Carlson's but she also gave Carlson some of hers and that's why they're even more connected but that's that's the same thing that's kind of happens in the classic vampire tales totally. too. the the main protagonist usually the female also has a little bit of it in her as well yeah. so there's also this idea of like getting like getting a cure too, killing the the vampire also cures you yeah killing at the source amy in fright night yeah yeah i felt like that could have that should have been uh a scene that they expanded upon just in in the sense of like her annihilating everybody on the ship which doesn't make sense why would you want to kill everybody on the ship yeah why don't you just suck their energy and have them be your zombies and you come to earth yeah that make no sense whatsoever yeah i mean it was it was one of the things where it's like yeah it's freaky to find a derelict ship there with everyone dead but when you start thinking about it i mean she should have been so powerful because she killed like 12 people on there like that ship was full of people yeah and she killed a bunch of them so she should be crazy powerful killing them when she could yeah yeah i know i know what you mean again yeah a lot of holes a lot of holes in this uh but as the helicopter's flying back they get sort of diverted because they hear uh across the bbc that uh london is burning london is in pure chaos so they're like oh shit we got like you know Things are just now happening. Cue the Morrissey song. This is madness. Panic on the streets of London. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I hate that song. (laughs) I don't even know it. I was pretending like I did just to be cool. (laughs) I think that's whatever. I'm not. I am not a Morrissey. I'm not a Morrissey fan either, dude. Yeah, I don't know that them at all, or him, I should say. Uh, And then you see, like on the streets, you know, like just people are getting like it's a zombie movie at this point. Yeah, suddenly it it, is turned into thriller. Yeah, the the video, the the set from Thriller, where there's dudes in like zombie full on zombie makeup, which looked nothing like. And I'm sure it's just for budget reasons, but it looked nothing like the makeup they were doing earlier in the movie. It's now a zombie a zombie movie. Yeah, it's full on zombie at this. 
point. And and they don't even have like teeth like vampires, but they're behaving like zombies. They drain your your you know your life energy, yeah. and then the the person whose life energy got drained, they get up and and they're the zombie looking you know things. Yeah. But they're not shriveled. They're definitely like zombies with like yeah. chunks hanging off. So yeah. thematically, it it's go it goes different. It goes in a different direction that I just don't I don't care for it. Um. So they they land at like I guess like the prime minister's bunker. Yep. You know, the prime minister. Yeah, and they they go down there to go talk to him but he's behaving weird and just take care of business just just take oh good one good call back to terror vision he is just taking care of business and he takes care of it with his secretary yep and uh you find out that he is a you know he's a vampire too and he's as, cunningham and they're as they're trying to get out of there like people are getting sick so you know they're like okay shit the, the inspe- infection spreading they get to the helicopter and two zombie guards come chasing <laughs> after awesome. them yeah i like this little scene with them fighting the zombie guards on the helicopter yep. uh they shoot one of them with a flare and just blows him out the you know like he just <laughs> goes flying awesome. through the air looks great it's yeah. a very good stunt um and so they and base- the other the other zombie tries to hold on but he's holding onto his skin of his hand and rips the skin off his hand and like the sleeve of his hand comes off and that's how he falls it's so great yeah that was that was a really cool effect i like that so where he gross. kind of he almost degloves his hand essentially <laughs> I, I was like that was neat that was cool there's some fun little effects in here but the, i can't enjoy them because i feel like they don't fit the movie no like i don't feel like this should be a zombie movie but you know we'll, we'll get to that um so we land at a military base uh and um and basically we find out you know that you know they have like authorization to use nukes on london we also find out that the spaceship is parked over london and we also see that there is a giant blue light kind of like a column shooting up from the center of london yeah. up into space yeah and no one finds that to be weird at all <laughs> yeah, is, where, where's the connection with that yeah exactly exactly and it's basically uh it's really just um uh the the space the girl shooting like souls up into the the ship which is i mean that's a terrifying prospect that your soul is now getting used as like fuel for a ship you know that's that's again there's ideas in here that are that are awesome just not executed at all well you know um carlson steals a car uh he wants to you know go into the city and kane kind of goes after him uh but kane kind of goes goes back towards the um the laboratory area. He goes back to the labs, whereas Carlson is trying to go into London, essentially. Yeah. Meanwhile, in between that time, I wrote this down. Um, I'm like, where is Falada in all this? Because it felt like a lot of time had gone by because Falada, Kane, Bukowski, and Carlson are the four main characters in this movie. And it's interesting because even though Carlson's the, the main character in the movie, they equally share the same amount of screen time. Yeah. I feel like they do. Suddenly Bukowski, Bukaki is, Buka, he's gone. Like yeah. you don't know what happened to him. Well, well the Falada just said he died. Well, yeah, but so you don't see it. You it's, don't see it's, him. You just never see him again after the, the last time you saw him. Yeah. And, but between the time you last see him and the time he's mentioned that he's dead, it's a huge gap of time, I think. Yeah. And then Falada, be t- be, the last time you see him and the next scene you see him, I'm like, where's Falada? And then you, that's where Kane's headed to go see. Right. So Kane's going back to the laboratory to find his buddy. Uh, well, it's not really his buddy. That would have been more Bukowski's buddy, uh, Falada. But yeah, he's going back to um, to the the laboratory, and he finds Falada there. He, he sees that the uh, vampire is like 
dead on the table with the sword, with still, the in sword still in his chest but Falada's acting weird and so I he said something about when the creature died it transferred something to him again yeah. not quite sure why Falada is bad at this point but you know you get the implication that he is he which starts, is lame yeah he's was, such a cool character I was like this was okay I was like I didn't really get how this happened but Kane shoots him and and kills him which is uh you know kind of just shows that the bullet works even though he never uses another bullet again on any vampire but that's okay except for a headshot he should, yeah he does a headshot which... well I, okay so i i'm gonna say that maybe he had a scuffle with the vampire then he got the sword and impaled him and like bukowski uh you know was had a little bit of his energy drained too at first yeah and then that would you know just having that transference is what makes you bad yeah or, or right? makes you needed or something guess, yeah yep. dude i have no fucking clue this was i, I mean I, I was hoping that we'd get to the bottom of it but i really wasn't thinking i didn't think that we would you yeah. know like it, I, I think there's bad. gonna be too many holes in this that we're not gonna be able to at all piece no. together it's too bad that falada like this is his end yeah so he dies uh kane makes his way out of there you know there's a little, some zombies pop up here and there but nothing really happens his car blows up but you know that doesn't really stop him from, from sort of catching up he to... seems to enjoy driving over zombies though yeah, like he's, he's hit he hits one guy and body parts just flail everywhere i, I think he's like, having a good time yeah, here. He, he looks like he's having a good time yeah and and at the same time carlson finds the space girl she's like in a church uh, with a bunch of people, a bunch of bodies. The the coolest thing about this finale is how many extras that they actually use. There's so many people. There's so many bodies. That's yeah. that's kind of neat. That's I kind of cool. dig that. Um, and he makes his way into the church, and she's like in there, just kind of like being this beam of energy, sort of thing, with a white dress on. Yeah. I'm like, oh, now you decided yeah, to put clothes on. Now she, but I mean, it's still see-through and very very light and and she doesn't keep it on for very long no no i mean everything seems to fall off of her um (laughs) uh then we get to you know a a scene of like kane fighting his way through the city to to the central point and everything and it's cool you know here and there there's neat things that are happening buses are exploding there's a a beam of light flying everywhere that's also sucking the souls up of people and there's some cool shots of like the beam of light flying through the subways and like all this paper is yeah, getting cool. kicked up. That was really neat. And just like cool shots of like extras just falling down, like sort of in a wave. Yeah. And that's that that's the coolest shit in this uh, finale that I think. Agreed. But you follow the um, the beam. Kane sort of follows the beam, and it it materializes as. Tomax or Zamot, one of the good-looking vampires yeah. in front of the church. The international male. Yeah, and Kane is uh, Kane's there, and he's like, he's got the sword, and you know, of course, like all vampire movies, the vampire is, you know, the hubris of the vampire is he doesn't think that he's going to get hurt, right? No. And so Kane's like, you know, sure enough, stabs him right in the chest. Is does a cool little transformation, like a flash cut transformation into the the creature, the winged creature, and then it pretty much just dies yeah it was a cool moment for sure yeah um, and 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 firth uh colin firth's brother screams like a girl when the thing changes into yeah. <laughs> he's like ah yeah he's kind of that was funny <laughs> he has a few moments because when he when he's about to kill falada right before that he's he's it takes him a long time and i'm like and i wrote down kane is so stupid he's such a stupid character because it's like so naive like clearly this guy's drenched in sweat you know what's up but yeah anyways and then he'll a little squeal at the end ah! you're like, okay <laughs> screaming and then he uh he makes his way into the church and he sees that carlson and 
and uh, the girl are kind of like kissing, and they're you know they're just they're doing their thing. Worst kissing ever. I feel I it's feel, the worst. It's the worst. It's just it's, it's like it's 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 what you would do. There, you you pucker. Um, okay, here's a little kissing 101. You pucker your freaking lips when you kiss somebody, and this is like, uh uh uh, like mouth on the like you're trying to open up a jar with your mouth it's, kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's almost as bad as Rowdy McDowell drinking his <laughs> Bud Light bottles in <laughs> class of 1984. Come on now. Yeah, it's 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 up there with just. People don't do this. No, that's not how it's, this works. It's terrible. It's it is terrible, terrible kissing. kissing. And I, I don't know. It's just not sexy, Jack. Nah, I, I, I feel bad for Matilda May. <laughs> yeah, she's like her. It's almost like just get it, get it over with. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And uh, so, so Kane is like he's looking through the hole because they're kind of like down in a crypt area. Kane's looking through a hole and he's like carlson like he screams his name like 20 times yeah. and then carlson finally reaches up as he's still like slobbering all over well, he's, Matilda he's, May. He's, he's sucked into the uh, trance yeah he's so, in the trance yeah. but at the same time he's starting to reach up but he's starting to break free yeah kane throws a sword down there carlson somehow does some kind of weird maneuver where he stabs through her and through him yeah. at the same time they're both butt naked back. by the way oh yeah they're both butt naked but you don't actually see anything but they're definitely junk to junk on that one yeah they're which f- is so funny because it's like they clearly want to cover up his man parts yeah yeah which which unfortunately for her means that his man parts have to be junked up right against her female parts Ooh, I'm d- and i doubt there was a merkin involved no nah, probably not probably oh, not <laughs> anyways yeah they both get aced they, but well they don't really. Um, well, yeah. So he stabs them, and then they shoot up into space. Their spirit does. Their, their sure, soul, their sure, soul. sure. And uh, uh, whatever you want to say, but then uh, you get a shot of them appearing in sort of the same sarcophaguses. All right, let me rewind real quick. She does tell Carlson that he's one of them. Yes. That's it. Don't know how. No more elaboration on that. <laughs> yeah, they're so, like, that's it. But I just wanted to throw that in there, but apparently he's one of them. Don't know why. Uh, so they, they, at the very end, their energies or whatever go, I guess, maybe rematerialize in those crystal sarcophaguses. Um, so she's where she was originally. Now he's, you know, in another one uh, next to her. But did you notice that all the sarcoph- all the crystals now have human babies in them? Yes. And then it's over. That's it. Yeah. You guys can't see it, but I'm dancing in my chair to it. Yeah. They, they just they, you see the babies in there. The they show Haley's comet and the credits roll. Yeah. And the, the ship's going back to the yep. the and I'm like to Haley's comet and I'm like, is this a happy ending for Carlson and? And the space girl? Like, did they repopulate the ship, essentially? And is all of London now dead? Well, yeah, I'm assuming <laughs> that the people that died are dead, you know, but... Which is supposed the, to be all of London, pretty much. Yeah, but the takeaway is at least it didn't get nuked, I guess. Yeah. And I guess the only way it didn't get nuked is because I'm sure the military is like, once they see the, the blue beam disappear and the ship fly away, they're like, all right, let's not nuke London. So oh, hopefully... nuke Penny Lane. <laughs> hopefully Kane didn't get nuked. Let's, no. let's assume that. Yeah, because... Yeah. So that's the movie. Um, discuss <laughs> amongst yourselves. <laughs> We're gonna go wash our, our eyeballs out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, this and stop because that's the way the movie ended. It just stopped. Yeah, yeah. What'd you think, man? I mean, it didn't hold up. It didn't hold up. It, as much as I wanted to love it, it 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 just doesn't have the same impact that it did when I was a kid. 
again, I this this idea that watching these movies as a as a as a child, you you let go of so many things. Or you don't even notice so many or things. Or you don't care because you're like freaking 12 and all yeah. you're staring at is the boobies. Yeah. And you don't care like what's going on around it. But there's so many holes in this movie. There's so many holes. I will say it was enjoyable to watch yeah. again. Uh, it's not over. It's not too long. Um, well, I mean, it's two hours. It's two hours, but it, it, it doesn't flies. feel. It flies by pretty fast, and it's entertaining. Yeah, but it's still pretty crappy. Yeah, it's 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 funny. It's actually, I think, one of those movies where if you don't analyze it, it's probably more entertaining. Yeah, because as just pure spectacle, there's always something going on and something interesting to see. Even you know whether it's Matilda May walking around naked, whether it's Patrick Stewart going just having a grand old time, you know, or it's just just pure chaos at the end. I feel like there's always something interesting to see. But once you actually start like paying attention and start questioning things like yeah. like whose body in, of the girl in Hyde Park I mean, I still feel like that was that was Ellen's body that's, that's going to haunt you forever it my friend it is because I don't understand the I don't at the end of the day understand how these vampires work I mean I understand the life force sucking and everything but then the the vampire that jumped into the body of the guard why does he now look like his old body or yeah. was that just to kind of show us who he was too much too much well, I, I kept thinking. Uh, I wrote down. I wrote classic canon. Yeah, because canon. That, that's the way the movies were. Well, they, you you uh, you added me to like this canon film group yeah. on Facebook. Did you and, accept? Oh yeah, I accepted. Good. And I saw someone posted a, a <laughs> meme where it was like you know a guy putting a, a sticker over a hole, like you know what I mean, like of of a thing of water with a hole in it. Yeah, and it was like this is how canon fixes things, and it's like nudity. <laughs> the sticker is nudity, and this is how you fix a hole in a pot. Yeah. You just add nudity. It's true though. It's true. Just add nudity, and it fixes everything their their movies their movies were like so close to being a uh good movies yeah but then they just it, they tripped yeah it's like the guy he's like he, he almost made it home with that big stack of books and right before he gets up to the door he hits a rock on the ground he trips and all the books go everywhere and his day's ruined yeah that's what happens with every canon movie pretty much you're like you're so close boom, boom bah, bah. oh yeah and, 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 and <laughs> instead of a guy with books just picture like a bunch of scripts and he and now he has to <laughs> yes. piece them all back together and they're in different you know <laughs> yeah. movies no basically. yeah it's the it's the production assistant or the, the script supervisor yeah. or whatever he's has got the stack of scripts <laughs> that's a perfect yeah. metaphor dude because suddenly he's like piecing them all back together and they're like wait Wait a minute. There's space zombies in this Chuck Norris movie? I thought he was defeating Arab uh, terrorists. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, let me ask you something truthfully. Do you think that this movie would have lasted as long as it did without Matilda May being nude in it? No. That's the the appeal of this movie. Matilda May contributes a lot to this film. Yeah. And and just even if it was her but sans nudity— I don't think that this movie would have held up at all. I think most people see this movie because they know about the nudity. Yeah. And I think that you can find some fun stuff in it. And like you said, I think it is a fun movie to watch. Just drink, smoke, you know, and just, just enjoy the spectacle with your friends and don't don't try to figure it out. It fills the need. Yeah. Of of a, of a late night of a of an after dark movie, yes. you know, to something to put on when when you're just like, let's just watch something stupid. Well, that's why we call it podcasting after dark because these were all the movies that they would show late night, and this is a perfect description of that movie. This this is 
basically for me would have been like a holy grail movie on at on Cinemax, right? That yeah, I that I would totally. find. This would be one of those holy grails. Um, I actually don't think I've ever seen it on Cinemax. I think I've rented it. I think I've seen it on VHS all the times. Um, but yeah, this is one of those movies that if I saw it on 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 Cinemax, I would have yes watched it. Yeah, and it would have said you know extreme nudity or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude. I mean, I'll probably it'll probably you know what the the funny thing is the the takeaway that I have from this is it still has a bunch of holes in the plot. I I don't love this movie, but I will always probably keep moving forward watching it the same as I've done. Like I'll watch it once every five years. Like it won't be something that I'll add into the rotation more frequently because of it. And but it's also I. It still was the same movie that I always remembered it to be, so I probably won't take it out of my rotation yeah. at all, but it was never heavily rotated anyways. No. So since we don't have any kind of rating system on this, which is fine, I don't care, I don't, we don't need that, would you recommend it? Is this a recommendation that you would, you know, if no one's seen it you know, up until now, would you say you got to check this out? Oh, yeah. or, or can you just show them a gif of my, Matilda May? No, I'd say check it out, enjoy it. But take it for a grain. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, right? whatever that metaphor is. You, you know what I'm saying. Yep, it's it's good. It's 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 good enough to watch once. Agreed. Yep, I'm I'm with you. It's it's good enough to lend out to your buddies once, like especially like the Blu-ray. Uh, you know, I uh, check it out. You know, someone check it out. Great. Yeah. But yeah, it's I'm with you. It's it's definitely a recommendation, but not something that you need to like totally go crazy on. All right, buddy. Well. That was Life Force, my man. <laughs> we, uh, we, we made it through there without getting too crude, I guess, on, on the nudity. Well, 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 well spoken. <laughs> Tried to. <Yes. laughs> All right, man. Where can we find you online, brother man? You can find me at Zach Schaefer on Instagram, and that's S-H-A-F-F-E-R. I'm also on the $2 late fee podcast, which is on Instagram. Find me on Instagram at $2 late fee. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter, Zach Schaefer VO. And that's about it for nice. now. For now. <laughs> I have a feeling that your, your podcast stardom is going to skyrocket Ooh. and thus, and thus your VO stardom will as well. Ooh. But don't forget about podcasting after dark when, uh, when you get real big and you land that, uh, I don't know, that Marvel VO work. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. Not going to happen. I mean, I'm going to land it. I will never forget. <laughs> yeah, no, what they're going to do is they're like, you know what, Zach? We're going to hire you. And then they're going to listen to the uh, Life Force episode of Podcasting After Dark. And they're like, mm. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I hope that doesn't happen. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Can that happen? <laughs> no. can, can we delete this episode now? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at Corey Nation. That's where I am. Am most active uh, and you can also hear me every week talk about Seinfeld on Cartwright a Seinfeld podcast that is actually on this podcast network the same network that podcasting after dark is on so it's on the blast from our past network and I do that with my buddy Adam and uh, we also uh, we as in the network um, have you know blast from our past as well so we have three shows Cartwright podcasting after dark and blast from our past all on the BFOP network um, 
For this show here, you guys can follow us on Instagram, Podcasting After Dark, and on Facebook, Podcasting After Dark, and feel free to join in on the conversation. Like, we want you guys to be talking about these movies as much as we are. Now, we're, we're recording, like, way early. Like, we're kind of, like, queuing things up. Like, so, you know, we'll try to give you guys a heads up online, you know, like, what we're going to do next. And then if you guys want to leave a comment on Instagram about a movie that we're going to be doing in the future, you know, we'll read that comment on, you know, on the show and everything. And we'll we'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about with these movies. Cool. But uh, we want you, uh, want you guys to join in on the conversation. So please follow us on Instagram. Please follow us on Facebook. Please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That, that's how people find us. And it's still to this day, you know, we're on Stitcher. We are on Podbean. We're on Spotify. But to this day, like Apple Podcasts is still the main place where people go and find podcasts. And the way that people find podcasts, the way they show up higher in searches is with five-star ratings. So we thank everyone who's already given us five-star ratings. We appreciate it. We see the love that you guys have for us and everything. And, and man, we are just, just taken aback by it. It's, it's amazing. The, this is, um, this is like the sixth episode or something, but we, at the time of recording, we only have about two episodes out. So we're like way in advance, but all we've only launched for like a week and a half and we're getting so much positive feedback. Yeah. It means so much. Thank you. Thank you guys for all of that. And, uh, next week, what are we doing next week, Zach? Can you give us a little breakdown since mm-hmm. it's your pick? So, as you guys know, one pick is one week is mine, one week is Zach. So, Life Force was mine, Sleazy C, and uh, <laughs> my buddy Zach, aka Tiny T. I'm going back down the uh, teenage exploitation high school route with the 1985 classic Tough Turf. And who's in that? James Spader. Interesting. And Robert Downey Jr. Oh, hello. I yeah. have never seen this movie. You're going to love it. Awesome. Well, I loved Class of 1984. I loved uh, Vision mm-hmm. was your pick. So I, I, I'm liking all these, man, especially the ones that I've never seen. You're kind of giving me stuff I've never seen. So hopefully I can throw a movie at you that you haven't seen before. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I know. Or... or one that you enjoy. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. 